Hello, welcome. Thank you so much for clicking on this podcast. It is such an honor that you wanted to join us going through every episode of this show. If you haven't heard the show yet, my name is Robin and I'm one of the co-hosts. I am recording this for you in 2022. We recorded this first episode of the podcast in 2017. Every podcast has its humble beginnings and this is ours. I've been re-listening to our beginning episodes and I was like, I should record something and say something for anybody who wants to join us uh, after the fact. I think that our podcast really picks up once we start getting guests. So basically what I wanted to say is if this first episode is not exactly what you were hoping for, I think I am going to come in and try and like edit a little bit better because I was listening to it and I was like appalled at, at the type of editing that I'm doing. So my recommendation is if you've seen the show before, go find your favorite episode that we've already covered and listen to that first and then see uh, if you want to start up at the beginning. That'll give you a better idea of what we actually do here on this show. This first episode is not like the best example of that. I stand by the podcast. I think everything we said was good. I'm just saying that it's not like the caliber that we're up to right now. So I hope that you listen to this podcast and you continue to give us a shot, uh, even though it's not perfect. And also, if you're a huge Suliet shipper um, and you hear me say that I'm a skate shipper, don't immediately exit out, okay? I promise we also give Suliet uh, the support that it deserves. All right. Well, enjoy the episode and thank you so much for joining us. It goes do, do, din, and boom, boom, ban, and boom, boom, din, and boom. So there you go. Oh, and then it goes. Okay. Holy. That's Hollywood and Vines. Frack. and welcome to our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 21-year-old film student from Alberta, Canada. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas. My main hobby is crying over fictional characters. I'm in Slytherin House and I have far too much knowledge regarding things that no one else remembers. I run at the Hunter Script on Twitter and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. My favorite Disney movie is The Emperor's New Groove. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 27-year-old writer in Vancouver, BC. I'm on Twitter at at Britannia where I can be found attempting journalism and talking about my cat. I am a Hufflepuff who is more forgetful than Ever Longbottom and my favorite Disney movie is Tangled. Today we have words to say about episodes 101 and 102 of Lost, Pilot Part 1, and Pilot Part 2. Yay! <laughs> Robin's been waiting her whole life for this. I'm just so excited to exist. <laughs> um, so since this is the very first episode, we're going to talk a little bit about um, what Lost means to us and how it's impacted our lives and why we're doing this. So tell us why. Why don't you go first, Brittany? <laughs> Damn it. Okay, to me, Lost kind of, Lost happened at an interesting time for me because I was actually just going to film school up in Vancouver. So it was the thing that everyone was talking about that I didn't really understand until I started watching it. And it changed the way I watched television. I didn't know that you could tell a long serialized story and still exist on network television. So to me, Lost changed the way I thought about TV. So... I think it inspired an entire pop culture phenomenon that I don't know if anyone's ever been able to match, and so it has such a special place in my heart because of that. 
I definitely agree, and I think it's kind of changed the way the TV is made as well. Absolutely. I think that if it hadn't been so, like, such a thinky show that a lot of the shows that are very thinky today wouldn't be as thinky, you know? Absolutely. When I I started watching Lost the summer after it ended in 2010, so I do really wish that I had been around and on the internet while <laughs> it was actually, you know, in real time happening, but I just, like, wasn't old enough <laughs> to do it, I guess. But first of all, let me just say I have an obsessive personality. And so this is, like, my main thing. This is, like, my thing. So I don't really know what to say about what lost means to me because it's, like, it's just everything. <laughs> it's your whole life. Like, everything reminds me of this thing, you know? And it's, like, yeah. just... The best thing ever. So how it's impacted my life, I have a little bit of a list here. So <laughs> I have seen it seven times all the way through. Uh, I just bought the full series Blu-ray collector's edition for $300 Canadian, and it just came today, and it's the coolest thing I've ever owned. <laughs> um, uh, I like to force other people to watch it. What else have I done? I've, uh, I went to Oahu this past couple months just to see the locations. Like, the rest of my family wanted to go to the beach, and I, I, I didn't. I just wanted to go to the lost locations. So we went on a nine-hour official tour of said locations. And I've also met Damon Lindelof, a.k.a. the creator, writer, head showrunner of the show, uh, back in June, and I cried at him. Uh, I got him to sign two things, and I hugged him. And he, he, he wasn't weirded out that much. So that was nice. That's new what for a you. Guy. I also have a tattoo from the show. And I mean, I can't really tell you what it is because it's spoilers. I was just going to be like, Robin, tell them what it is. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Once we get to that point, which is in the first season, I can, I can tell you all about it and I'll post pictures and everything. Yay. So one of us is extremely, extremely dedicated. And the other one is just along for the ride to watch the first one freak out. It's going to be great. It's going to be so funny. <laughs> we're, we're also going to have a lot of really cool guests on the show, um, which we actually haven't done with our other podcasts. So it's really fun and really exciting. Yeah, we're really excited to have guests, actually, because everyone has, I think, w uniquely with this show, your favorite character says a lot about, like, what you get out of the show. Definitely. And because the the structure of the show focuses on, you know, who whose flashbacks or which episodes and things like that, it's going to be really fun to hear people just so happy about their favorite characters. I also really want to talk quickly, why don't we say who our favorite characters are and who, or like what our favorite things about the show are. So I'll go first. Um, my favorite character mm -hmm. is Sawyer. Uh, he's like my problematic fave, you know? Um, so like at the beginning, he's like pretty seriously <laughs> problematic, but you know, one of my very favorite things about the show is character development and the characters. And, like, the whole mystery of the island is, like, a really big part of the show. But, like, it's not the main part of the show. The main part of the show is the characters, which is my favorite mm -hmm. thing. And I love when there's lots of characters, and I love when all the characters are so fleshed out and so fully realized and have such character development over the entire series. And it's just, like, incredible. And they're all so interesting and so beautiful, and you just, you love all of them so much in your little heart, you know? <laughs> so Robin's favorite character is Sawyer. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite characters aren't, like, as we start the show, they're not here yet. Yeah, I know a few of my, so, uh, so, like, yeah, I've got Sawyer and I've got Charlie. And so those are my two favorite characters that exist right now. 
Mm-hmm. And of my characters that exist right now, yeah, definitely Sawyer and Claire, and then later on Desmond, Ben, and Juliet. For the people in the back who know who those are. Yeah. For those who don't, well, you will. And I have a good reason for liking Ben. So... You'll Everyone see. else is like, who's that? Oh, I'm, I just want to quickly say who my favorite characters are that aren't here yet then. Yeah. Big yeah. shout out to Daniel Faraday. Big shout out to Richard Alpert. Big shout out oh, to guideliner. Juliet also. Yeah. Yeah. Juliet, my one true love. Yeah. So now uh, we're going to start with things that we're actually going to do every episode. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Things that aren't just for the first episode. So what we're going to be doing every episode is we're going to each take an ep. I'm saying the word episode way too many times, but we're each going to take an episode that we are covering and uh, recap it. And we've got a minute to do it, but if it's a little too long, we're just going to like speed it up. So that it's a minute. Yeah, I mean, for those of you who never saw when the show was originally airing, what they would do, I think they to prepare for the final season, they did Lost in 8 minutes and 15 seconds. Yeah. Where they recapped the entire show by speaking very, very quickly about whatever has happened, you know, season by season. So we're going to try do, try and do that, but it's one episode in one minute instead of... Eight minutes and 15 seconds. They usually take it, I mean, they make a lot of jokes in them, but they also take it a little bit more seriously than we do. So for those of us who are old as hell and remember that. Yeah, exactly. This, this podcast is for anybody who's watching it for the first time. And it's for anybody who's watched it a million times. And it's for anybody in between. And for anyone who has decided to watch along with us for the very first time, just so you know, when we do two episodes like this, we are saying spoilers throughout the entire podcast about spoilers for both episodes. So make sure you've seen both episodes before even listening to any of this. But we won't be spoiling the rest of the show, which is the important part. Correct. So the deal here is that this is a spoiler-free podcast, but we've never done a spoiler-free podcast before, so this is going to be a little bit of a learning curve for us. So just go with us on this one. We're going to do our best. If we slip up and you have seen the show, you can laugh at us. And if you haven't seen it, you can be like, what? And then tweet us and say, guys, what the hell are you talking about? And then we'll reply with, ah, spoilers. So that's that's our sort of disclaimer for how we're going to do this. If you've seen it already and you don't really want to watch along, it's still for you. And that's what these recaps are for. And if you are watching it for the first time, then these recaps are just fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be doing pilot part one and Brittany's going to be doing pilot part two. So I will just begin with my recap of pilot part one. In the first half of the pilot, we begin with a dude in a suit in a jungle. His eye, actually. This is a theme. Pay attention. The dude sees a dog. He goes out onto the beach, and there's a massive plane crash. He is the protagonist, and so tries to save everyone, including a beautiful but distressed pregnant woman, and a beautiful but unconscious black woman who is being helped by a beautiful but clueless heartthrob. Turns out he's a doctor, because of course he is, and gets help from another beautiful woman, because everyone who is on this plane is just so ugly, and it's unrealistic. So Jack wants to go and find the front of the plane, and Kate wants to help, but there are scary sounds in the jungle, and isn't that just perfect? Meanwhile, we see the very first flashback of Jack on the plane and he was sitting next to the beautiful black woman and telling her that everything was going to be okay. What a liar. Next day, Jate goes out to find the cockpit with Charlie, the bassist from everyone's favorite band, Driveshaft, who are still together. And once they get there, they find that everyone inside is dead as heck and also no one seems to care about Charlie at all. They find the pilot alive and learn that everyone is looking for them in the wrong place, which was crucial information to get from him, but where he was ripped from the plane by the monster. So they run and Jack saves Charlie and Kate wants to go after him and they find him and the pilot is dead. 
the end. Okay, we're gonna start talking about pilot part one now. So first we're gonna analyze the title and the title for both pilots part one and part two is just kind of like a double meaning because it's the pilot episode and sometimes when you're starting out a show, the first episode has to be called pilot and um, also the pilot is important in the first episode and is a big deal, you know? It's a pun. It's a pun. The broadcast date for Pilot Part 1 was September 22nd, 2004, and that is important because canonically in the story, September 22nd, 2004 is the date of the crash. Like, that's like when it happened. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. You will come to find over this that Robin knows everything about Lost and I know almost nothing about Lost, so this is going to be entertaining. I've got so many fun facts. So many fun facts. You're going to have a great time. <laughs> I'm, I'm so gonna ready. I'm going to try not yeah. to take this entire podcast for myself, by the way. Okay. Please talk when you want to talk. I think we're going to be fine. I will I will be here right alongside you. Okay, cool. So the first episode was written by Damon Lindelof and and J.J. Abrams, and it was directed by J.J. Abrams. Didn't know that J.J. directed the pilot. Yeah, J.J. is a, an executive producer and directed the pilot. And then he went from here to Star Trek to Star Wars. Shout out to J.J. And basically so did Damon. Yeah, right? <laughs> Yeah. Damon, Damon's doing the leftovers right now. Are you ready to start talking? I'm so ready. Okay, cool. Oh, I just hit my computer because I got too excited. You hit your mic. You hit your computer in excitement. That is so funny. Okay. Um, so the first you're, thing I want... You're an excitable puppy. <laughs> it's, it's like mainly this one thing that makes me really okay. excited, which is yeah, okay. just like this show in general. So just be ready for me to be so <laughs> excited about this. This is exciting and fun. Yay. So the very first thing that I want to talk about is... The first thing that we open up on, which is Jack's eye, especially season one. Yes, (laughs) especially season one. um, We see a lot of the eye opening. That's how most episodes begin. A few mm-hmm. times later, but mostly season one, this happens. Also, fun fact, his pupil didn't actually do that. They had to, like, CGI his pupil being, like, specially opening. Opening. Yeah. They, they CGI'd his pupil in 2004? Yeah. That's wild. They had some CGI. They did. Apparently. Um, let me see. Vincent. Some of these things I forgot just... Vincent's name. You forgot Vincent's name? I forgot, I literally, in my notes, my first note of this episode is, what's the dog's name again? (laughs) It's Vincent. I hate myself. Keep Um, going. So, Jack finds a little vodka bottle in his pocket, which we know from earlier. Like, I just, I love when things, like, come back. Mm -hmm. And not only do they do this in, like, literally the first episode, but they also do this in, like, hey, remember this thing from season one? Here's the explanation in season six. (laughs) They tie up loose ends like no other show. And I love that crap. And another thing that I hope this podcast does is that, like, when people watch Lost, they say, oh, I couldn't get into it because, like, it was too confusing. Like, I just didn't understand what was happening. Mm -hmm. And, like, yo, that's what I'm here for. I am here to make this easier for you. (laughs) I get this show on 15 different levels. (laughs) Like, I get it. Everyone's like, there are too many unanswered questions. I'm like, ask me one of those unanswered questions. Give it to me. I got you an answer. I got you. So where Jack is, is a bamboo forest. I have, I I was just there. Um, I don't think it was like the exact bamboo forest, but like it was a bamboo forest. And close enough. (laughs) And it like, I have pictures of me like in the bamboo. And I also have a clip from my Snapchat of me being there. That's where we are. 
Jack's favorite spot where he begins and ends the series. Mm-hmm. She's also definitely not crying at all during any of that. I wasn't crying at the bamboo forest. However, right. the next place where he goes, aka the crash beach, hundo percent cried. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so I have some clips from the beach as well. Here's where Jack came out. Here, and this is where the crash was. Can you imagine a giant plane right there? Oh my gosh. And there's where Saeed redacted. Apparently all they did was cover the road in sand. And there's the rest of the island. Like, that's the island. That's my island. <laughs> I think that this is where redacted. Talk about how redacted. Oh my gosh. And if you have seen the show, you can stay tuned for after the outro for our spoiler segment uh, to cure some of the rest of those that aren't spoilers. So we can finally just, like, let loose and be like, oh my god, oh my god, so can you believe that this parallels to this in, like, season five? <laughs> exactly. So Jack, before he moves out onto the beach, comes out and goes past a shoe. Whose shoe is that? from one of the... Yes, okay. <laughs> the, uh, this is actually one of the only, like, unanswered questions. I mean, like, you can answer it by saying, it was a shoe. It fell out of the sky when the plane crashed. It's a shoe. Fair enough. So... It's just a shoe. It's not anything, like, super interesting. All right. Um, so there's a plane crash, like you do, and there's a guy screaming, Walt, like you do. Whoa. Fun fact, Walt, very first line of the show. Okay, so the interesting thing about what happens before Jack gets to the beach is he emerges out of the bamboo forest, and you see this sort of pristine white sand beach. Right. And then you cut over to all of the smoke and all of this fire, and that's sort of the first instance in the whole show of the light and dark theme. Mm-hmm. Is you you go from sort of this beautiful, light, pristine, beautiful, bright beach to just complete chaos. And so they they lean on that theme a lot in this show, but I think that has to be the first instance of it. Yeah, and you know what? I've never even thought about that. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm here for. Fun fact. Here's my here's mm-hmm. here's another fun fact from Robin. Mm-hmm. The crash scene has no red in it. Like JJ asked for there no to be red. no red. Yeah, no red in any of the costumes or anything so that the red of the blood can really stand out and be really shocking. Oh wow. Yeah. I never noticed that, but that's a great choice. I have a question for you about this beach scene. Yeah. So we see a number of characters, some are screaming, some are scrambling around, some are trying to help. Who are you on that beach? I am the person who's trying to find the people who I know who I was with on the plane, and then mm-hmm. we're we're moving on to safety. At least that's gotcha. Me. I feel like my dad would be <laughs> out there like trying to help people, and I'd be the person screaming, "Come back here right now!" <laughs> You're, in this instance, you might be Jin. <laughs> I might be Jin. Oh my god! <laughs> no one knows who Jin is. I <laughs> know. Uh, so Jack has, like, this hero complex, and I find, I sometimes find this scene so funny. I've seen this, I've probably seen this episode over 30 times, and Mm -hmm. I always find this scene a little bit funny, just because Jack's like, oh no, a person, who needs help? Save, save, save. Oh, I hear another person, who needs help? Here I go, and he, like, literally, like, leaps over things. (laughs) 
<laughs> to get to people who need help. He like hears he's like my jacks the jack signal goes off and he's like I can hear someone moaning from the other side of the beach even though all of these other loud noises are happening. Here I go. <laughs> Jack's like savior complex also comes with super hearing. Exactly, right? That's like is that not standard issue on all characters with a hero complex? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we also have a lovely pregnant girl who we don't know the name of, so I can't talk that much about her. But, like, of course, in the middle of a plane crash, there's someone going into labor. Yeah, and she says she's eight months along. Mm -hmm. Then we have... And she's Australian. She's Australian, which is great. Oh, here we go. I was actually talking to our friend Sarah today at Oscar Miked on Twitter about... The diversity in the show. She is an angel. She's the best. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about how this show, when it was originally on, was, like, really big for diversity. And it was, like, almost groundbreaking because they had so many different ethnicities and people from different, like, places on the show. And it was, like, incredible. But now that we're, like in present day, you think about it and you're like, yeah, it still has a lot of diversity in relate in relation to like ethnicity, but it does not have a lot of diversity in most other things. For example, there is only one canonically queer character in the entire show. And it's a secondary character. <laughs> a secondary character and we don't find out until that character has already died. Yeah. In a flashback There's uh, in season four. <laughs> Parts of this show age well and parts of it don't. I do remember at the time that Lost was airing that it was celebrated for its diversity. Of course, you look at it and you sort of go, okay, but it's like, you know, it's majority, you know, not diverse. But Mm -hmm. it definitely, in in that part, it does not age well, especially politically. Yeah. But I do remember at the time when it was airing, it was, especially post 9-11, the fact that everyone wasn't white was something that everyone talked about. That's a point in Lost Fear, especially as the cast gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. As as we shall see. Yeah. So, like, Jack's like, listen, pregnant girl, I, I really want to help you out, but uh, there's another person I have to save, you know? Uh, so he hits up Hurley, and Hurley's like, okay. He, like, super doesn't want to help out. Uh, but he goes over, and Boone's all like, um, I'm certified. I, I'm a lifeguard. And he's like, you're a bad lifeguard. What what kind of roast, though? Like, Boone's like, I'm trying to save a life here, and Jack's like, yeah, but you're bad at it. (laughs) You suck. And then, like, my favorite thing about Boone is that, like, he's like, maybe we should do the pen thing. Like, here, let me, let me contribute something. And Jack's like, okay, freaking go get me a pen then. And Boone's like, yes. Okay. I I, I will. I will go get the pens immediately. In this, in this instance, Boone is Wesley Crusher. He's, he's trying really hard to be resourceful, but he's kind of useless, and you need to find a task for him to go do to distract him while you do the real work. He's just so pretty, you know? Yeah, he's just, he's real pretty. And, like, I, he knew what a tracheotomy was. He just kind of, it wasn't helpful in this situation, Boone. He just called it the pen thing, you know? The pen thing, yeah. Fun fact about the guy who gets pulled into the engine. R.I.P. He was, like, the main stunt guy. Oh. He was, like, I'm pretty sure. From the commentary. You're, you're sure. You're sure. 
But also, Robin's trying to send Shelby being like, yeah, like, I think this. No, she is 100% sure of this. I don't know about that one for for sure. From what I remember, it's been a while since I watched the commentary. Okay. All right. But the way that they shot it was they CGI'd the actual engine and they only had the outside of the engine and then they just pulled him through. And that's it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I actually had wondered how they did that. Now you know. That's more practical effects than I actually thought there would be. Yeah. So the thing that I like about this scene, though, is that you see how resourceful Jack is. Mm-hmm. Like, you, they establish him as hyper-competent right away. So the audience immediately wants to trust him above everyone else because he's the, he's the guy in charge. Exactly. And you know, originally in the script, Jack was supposed to meet the fate of the pilot. And... Mm-hmm. Then, so I think it was Damon who had written it, and Damon was like giving it to people. Jack was supposed to die? Yeah, Jack was supposed to be like the pilot. And so Damon was giving these scripts out to people, and they were like, Listen, I love this, but you gave me this main character, and now I feel betrayed because you've killed him. And that's why we have Jack. So who was the main character supposed to be? Kate. Okay, so in one universe, I would have watched the hell out of that. I honestly would have watched it either way. Yeah. But also, like, Damn, that because <laughs> of that, we now have mm-hmm. Jack, who makes it through the entire series. Yeah, the whole show becomes about Jack. Exactly. Jack's now the main character. Interesting. So. Yeah. Wow. I had no idea. Because people trusted him right off the bat. Yeah, they set up a hyper-competent character who... You see it beautifully in a future scene with Kate um, in this episode, is that he is the guy that you absolutely would trust with your life. Exactly. So the fact fact that they were thinking about killing him, wow. That was like the original plan. And they were like, guess we'll get a different dude. Well, that's the thing is that I I don't remember who it was genuinely, and I can look it up, but they were going to have like a Mm -hmm. pretty big actor playing Jack. Mm -hmm. But then when they said, ooh, sorry, sorry, he's going to be a series regular, the guy was like, no, I'm not doing a series. So then they got Matthew Fox. Whoa. Interesting. So they really were going to completely Ned Stark this. Which, like, oops for that dude. Yeah. That was a mistake, my my dude. So a joke that I like to make is when Hurley's like, wait, I don't even know what you're... He's like, call my name if you need help. He's like, because that that's how I know. <laughs> that's how I know if people need help. Is that they yell. And he's like, wait, I don't even know your name. What is it? And, like, I just imagine Jack turning around and going, protagonist! (laughs) Sorry, Jack! It's spelled with a P, though. And so then... What an impactful moment, though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. And you're just like, okay. And as soon as he says, Jack, you're like, I'll remember you. You're important. Yeah. He says Jack and you sort of get goosebumps. You're like, okay. Now we're we're in it. You're like, I can tell that you're... Yeah, yeah, now we're in it. So it's like, okay, now I have a character's name, and now <laughs> now I'm, like, with you, you know? It's like, you now have, I know Yeah, you. you have someone to root for. It's yeah. a beautiful act-out. It's truly, it's a very impactful act-out. Something incredible about this is, like, when I was in screenwriting class, one of the main things was show, don't tell. And I find these beginning scenes to be a really great example of show, don't tell. Okay, so then the wing falls and Jack has to, you know, if I was Jack, I'd be like, hey guys, you should probably move. But instead he like gets up and goes over to where it's falling. (sighs) Yeah, I feel like survival instincts dictate that you don't walk under a big old sharp thing. So something that I noticed 
from the commentary, because mm-hmm. I like listening to the commentary sometimes, because I'm a big nerd. Whoa, brand new information. Is that there's a point where Jack goes and just kind of, like, after all the, like, stuff has died down, he just kind of, like, looks through the the plane, and, you know, then, pen, then um, Boone shows up with the pens, right? Mm-hmm. And there's this hand that's, like, hanging down. Oh, God. From the top of the plane. And, like, mm-hmm. it's really, really cool. And, like, I never noticed it until I watched the commentary. But I just like to point it out because I think it's really cool and really eerie. Yeah, I didn't see that either. Question. So Jack goes and opens up a suitcase and, like, gets a sewing sewing kit. Was that Jack's suitcase or was it someone else's suitcase? Because he seemed to know that there was going to be a sewing kit in there. Do you think that Jack carries around a cheetah print makeup bag? You're right. Yeah. It is. Right. I mean, he could. I mean, everyone's styles are totally different. And Doesn't seem like a Jack thing. From everything that I know about him, I don't know. I think he kind of just assumed that, oh, makeup kit must be random sewing kit. Boy, he was lucky. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I don't carry, a, I carry around a makeup kit, but I don't carry around a sewing kit. I don't even know how to sew. But again, this is a great example of Jack's resourcefulness, which is he knows where to go, what to get to solve yes. his own problem, and he's going to do it in private so that no one sees that he himself is actually struggling. Exactly. That's Mm -hmm. such a Jack thing. Okay, let me just say, Jack's, one of Jack's main things is letting go. Mm -hmm. Jack cannot let go of stuff. He holds grudges and he cannot let go. That's like Jack's whole thing. Mm -hmm. So if you're gonna like watch this show for the first time, know that. Yeah, he is the most stubborn bastard in the whole world. So this scene that Matt and Evie do uh, over near the beach in the jungle. She means Matthew Fox and Evangeline Lilly, for those of us who are. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Evangeline Um, Lilly is from Alberta. Did you know that? Me? Did I know that? Yeah, did you know that? I did know that. Wait, you didn't? I did. Oh, okay. I was like, girl, what? Robin and I are both from Alberta, which is why we're uh, excited about this, by the way. But what's interesting about Evie is that they looked all over the place for someone to play Kate and then when they found Evie, they were like, she, like, we have to get her visa in. And they ended up, she ended up not getting her visa until the day after she was supposed to start filming. Oh, so wow. To, yeah. Um, but she got it. And like, now look where Evie is. You know, it's great. Yeah, she's in Hobbit movies and... Uh, and Ant-Man. And Marvel. And uh, she wrote a book. So. Evangeline Lilly is a boss. She's so great. Yeah. Did I say that this was their audition scene? You did not. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, the scene that they auditioned with. Oh, wow. That's a great audition scene. It's a very intimate and small scene. Right? So the, the bonus features on the season one disc is uh, a bunch of audition scenes from the actors, and it's, mm-hmm. like, just so great. Another fun fact about the auditions is that when Josh Holloway was auditioning for Sawyer, the reason why he got the part was because um, he forgot his line halfway through and then, like, pushed a chair angrily about it until he remembered it. And they were like, that guy. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that's a great character choice there. He legitimately was just, like, angry because he forgot his line. Yeah. But then he remembered it, and then he got the part. That's fantastic. Which, like, thank freaking God, because Josh Holloway, let me tell you. Robin... Yeah. I feel like we need to take a break for a moment for you to list every single character that you have a crush on in this show. Uh, okay. Right. Sawyer. Uh-huh. Charlie sometimes. Uh-huh. Boone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Faraday. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, Paolo. <laughs> uh, 
Who else is around? This is exactly what I wanted. Saeed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jin. Uh-huh. Miles. Mm-hmm. Lapidus. Lapidus. Y'all. Locke. Okay, so- Even Lock. Should all of we them. just simplify this by saying basically everyone but Ben? No, Ben too. Oh, all right. Well, then there They're you go. They're all just so- ta- Oh my God, Desmond. Okay, yeah. They're all just so talented. They have all. They're just all so talented. I just want to... Okay, anyway. Well, moving on from all this stuff. That was fun for me. (laughs) Good. (laughs) So, um, Kate is holding her wrists while she walks out of the jungle. Mm -hmm. So that's a... That's a thing for the next episode. They're like, hey, here's a thing. Now you know. I just want to say something about that little scene between uh, Jack and Kate is... Sure. Jack tells the story of a surgery that he was in. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about how he allowed himself to be afraid. He acknowledged his fear and allowed himself to be afraid for five seconds. Yeah. And what Jack's actually doing in that moment is practicing uh, mindfulness, which is an awareness and an acknowledgement of your feelings and then a logical sort of, I know that I am feeling this, I process this, and I would like to push forward knowing that it's there. So that's such a really interesting psychological beat for Jack. Listen, sometimes Jack is the worst, but like it's moments like these where I'm just like, Jack. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, as you, as the course of the show, as well, or I guess as you see sort of in these two episodes is Jack prioritizes logic over feeling a lot of the time. Yeah. So that's just a really beautiful microcosm of his character is he will allow a little bit of emotion before he needs that calm facade to take back over. Yes. So that was a, a very telling scene for Jack. So, Jack's a doctor, which, of course, he is. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a spinal surgeon. Yes. Which we can glean from his story about surgery on a spine. He's also really resourceful because he keeps the, like, vodka bottle, and then it's just like, I can use this to perform surgery later. Mm -hmm. He's the MacGyver of the island, for sure. It's true. One of my favorite moments always is uh, when Kate says, Any color preference? (laughs) Standard black. And it's real cute. Such a telling choice. It's such a telling choice for him, too. It's honestly one of the first moments in the show that's, like, a little bit lighthearted. Yeah. So I always have a really special place in in my heart for that scene. Mm -hmm. So then we get our first look at Sawyer. And he's the pretty one. He's my favorite. He and Saeed are the pretty ones. Very pretty. And Boone. Boone's a very pretty one. and, And all of them are the pretty ones. True. They're all the pretty ones. Exactly. In the commentary for the first episode, I think I think it's Damon who's just like, everyone in this show is so ugly. <laughs> we cast such ugly people. Why do we do that? My question is, d- what does Sawyer actually do in this episode? Did he just sit there and look handsome for most of part one? Yes. Same. <laughs> That's all he does, actually. Okay. Same. Relatable. He's like, I'm main character. Remember me. I'm gonna look real nice while smoking a cigarette. Don't say, Don't smoke, kids. Yeah, don't smoke, kids. I've done two different tobacco shows for middle schoolers, and I have so many random tobacco facts that it it would disgust you. You are those people that came to middle schools to scare the crap out of middle schoolers? That's literally what I did. I've done it twice. Hashtag Robin facts, my favorite thing in the whole world. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to use that at some point. Thanks so much. Cool. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, So we have Hurley dealing with the food and then Boone, who's just like, oh, Boone, he's trying to get a freaking signal on his cell phone. 
Oh, bless. Which, first of all, is a flip phone. Okay, <laughs> but like, tag yourself, I'm Boone. Tag, your, tag yourself, I'm Shannon. Yeah. Interesting choices in the scene, though, is that you can see a strict division of who is really good in a crisis and who isn't. Yes. Because Shannon is not doing anything. Locke is not doing anything. But Hurley and Boone are at least trying. Exactly. Yeah. We don't know who Locke is either. The the old guy is not doing Bald anything. Bald dude. Ba- Baldy. Okay, his name's Baldy now. Baldy is not doing anything. Okay. He's just sitting in the sand. Yeah. And Shannon is just having a hard time. That's because he doesn't think this is a problem. He's like, sweet. Yeah, he's like, oh my god, I'm on an island and there's a beach and it's Hawaii? Great. That's fantastic. Charlie has these um, pieces of tape on his fingers mm-hmm. and they say fate on them mm-hmm. for the first little while. And so fate is a really, really, really big theme in the show. So like that's kind of the first thing about fate is uh, fate versus free will. Mm-hmm. And yeah, pointing that out. Okay. And that'll come back up later. Yes. Yes, definitely. Okay. Oh, yes. Those, those like, pieces of tape on his fingers are very important. Do we find out why he has tape on his fingers? I don't think we ever figure out why he has tape on his fingers. I just assume that that's because, you know, he's a hardcore rocker. Okay. He's just a guy who, who has tape on his fingers because he's, he's quirky like that. Okay. But the tape is very important to remember. See, because it sounds like I'm asking you these things for the audience, but also I can't flip and remember. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Okay. So, Saeed thinks someone should have come, which is just, like, a nice, like, tiny little scene where you're just, like, Saeed's just, like, kind of being the audience. Shannon's painting her nails. Boone has a chocolate bar. Shannon won't take his chocolate bar. And at this point, we still think that they're, like, together until the beginning of the next episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so Hurley is dealing with the food, and he gives food to the pregnant woman. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a very nice moment because, you know, they were, like, kind of together at the beginning. Uh, but except he gives her, like, two, which, like, I get. But also I'm like, Hurley, you're rationing, friend. Oh, I just assumed he gave her his share. <gasps> that doesn't seem like something... Hur- well, it would seem like something Hurley would yeah, do. Yeah, like something Hurley know. would do for sure. I've literally never thought about it like that. Well, now you have. I literally never thought Hurley would... I, th- I just thought maybe Hurley thought they'll be here soon, whatever. Just like Shannon. So, I don't know. Hmm. 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 Things hmm. to think about. Cool. Hmm. I said, I wrote Michael and Walt, Jin and Son, and we only know the names of one of those people. So, the, the complicated thing for Robin and I is that the show has not given any of these characters names yet, and we know their names, so we're going to come up with charming nicknames for them. Hopefully charming, yeah. So, we're just going to call Walt and Walt's dad. Yes. So, their characters, and then the Korean couple, their characters. That's what we'll yes. call them for right now. Okay. Kate reveals that the marshal, which we can say because that was in episode two. So Kate was next to the marshal, which then we learn, yes, she was, and there's a reason for that in the second episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to talk about this freaking plane that, Jay- that Jack has made out of, like, leaf. He is, he is so creative, you know? Like, he With really just... what tools? Listen, you got teeth? Are you kidding me? That didn't look like teeth marks. Listen. That looked like... A freaking scissors that you they used. Hey, maybe he found scissors in that sewing kit. You don't know. I guess, but like, ugh. <laughs> I'm like, stop it. Are you trying to tell him not to express himself creatively? I just think he should count to five and he'll be good to go, you know? Uh, I, I personally appreciated the one visual that he chose to do of the plane. Because I can't always picture a plane in my mind. <laughs> okay. W- what even is a plane? 
I don't even know what it looks like. Sometimes it looks like Superman. You don't know. You're right. I don't know. Maybe he should have drawn out like a whole like cabin layout in the sand too. Sure. Just to really hammer home that visual. Okay. 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 So we learned that the tail totally broke off and Kate knows where it kind of is. Mm-hmm. Or like not where the tail is, but where the cockpit is. Yeah. Jack reveals that he has taken flying lessons, but didn't like it. First of all, Kate says to Jack, you know, how do you know all this stuff about planes? And I'm like, how do you not know these things about planes? Because <laughs> like, I took grade six, Kate. Yeah. I went to school, Kate. Did you? Apparently not. Whatever. Anyway, the fact that Jack took flying lessons doesn't really come to fruition, and this is, like, pretty much the only time we hear about it. Oh. So Jack and Kate introduce themselves, and just, like, you know, immediate hard eyes A ship are is there. born. A very legendary ship is born. Um, so there are scary sounds in the trees. Dun, dun, dun. Terrific. And Walt's like, is that Vincent? And I'm like, Walt, was that an educated guess? <laughs> He's a kid. Okay, he's 10 years old, and he, he thinks that his golden retriever can pull down trees. Listen, I didn't say he was a smart kid. <laughs> Walt is special. Yeah. No, my only note for this was hashtag Jate. Hashtag Jate. The thing that started a ship war that lasted eight years. Brittany, Jate or Skate? <sighs> listen. For anyone who's confused, it's Jack and Kate or Sawyer and Kate. Okay, listen. Listen. Skate, but just because I don't have a reason, they're just both really pretty. I am 100% team skate. If you had to ask me if I could only have one OTP in my entire life, it would be skate. But I am a skate shipper only from season one to season four. And then yes. past that, no. There's a, there's a timeline on skate. But, but by the end of the show, I have I switch allegiances with Kate ships, so like I'll I'll ship both of them. But the thing that I ship the most in these early seasons is Skate for sure. Hundred percent Skate, yeah. absolutely Skate. Okay, cool. But you were not there for the ship wars, and for that you should be. No, glad. I wasn't. It was ugly. Blood was shed. Tears ended on keyboards. Jack's looking, you know, dramatically into the ocean like you do when you're the protagonist of a plane crash show. That's such a spe- specific trope. <laughs> do you think that? Like, Kate wants to go with Jack to get the cockpit. Mm-hmm. And Jack kind of has this moment where he's like, really? You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. can't tell if Jack's like, you can't come because you're a girl. Or if he's like, you can't Because, like, then afterwards he's like, well, you're going to need better shoes. So you're like, is he, was he being like that? Or is, because I honestly, Jack could go either way, but, like, from all that I know about Jack, he just doesn't seem like the type to think that girls can't do things, you know? I don't know. It's actually a difficult conversation because given what we know of Jack's character thus far, that actually does establish the fact that perhaps he has a little bit of internalized misogyny, but Mm -hmm. it could also establish the fact that he's looking at Kate and he's going, you goofball, like, do you really want to go with me? But considering how serious a character Jack is and the fact that he... Is a very male, very male-oriented character. I would say that perhaps it was a little bit of the old, you know, declaring Kate a feminist because she wants to go on an adventure sort of thing. Right. So, I, I, as much as I don't want it to think that it's that, I do think it's that. So, Kate goes and steals the shoes off a dead guy. And, okay, bald guy, your take right now. Oh, baldy. Creepy or charming? Why can't it be both? Agree. It... It's like, you look at it and you're like, oh, that's so cute. Then you're like, wait, why the hell is he, why did this happen? 
Sir, you are on a deserted island, and people are dead. I honestly can't remember how I felt the very first time I, I watched it, but, like, I have so many feelings for that character that, like, I can't see it as anything but charming at this point. I remember thinking it was charming. Okay. I think yeah. I think I thought it was charming at the same time, too. And then Kate was, like, you know, looking at him with a scowl at her face, and I was like, come on, he's just trying to make people smile. Yeah. Let him make people smile. A smile makes the world go round. So now we've got like a circle of main characters just hanging out. Um, we learn that Hurley can't really spell. <laughs> Bless. I love that because he spells it wrong and then Walt's like, actually, let me tell you how to spell it. See, because Walt is actually smart. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Wait, are you saying that bodies isn't spelled B-O-D-Y-S? I am saying that. Whoa. Sorry. Yeah. All right. So. Failed that in sixth grade. Boone doesn't really seem like he's super Team Jack right now. <laughs> like, the moment where Jack's like, hey, take care of that guy. Um, he'll be okay, but do this or whatever. And Boone just turns to him and goes, cool. Cool. Yeah, good job. Boone is very much like, I'm the in charge one. I'm yeah. the alpha guy. I'm the one who's going to get stuff done. Being around obviously doesn't sit well. Or being ordered around obviously doesn't sit well with Boone. Yeah, and we kind of, like, end up learning that that's not something that Boone's uh, very comfortable with or Mm -hmm. is usually has to deal with Mm -hmm. because it's usually him who has to be the adult. Yeah, especially in his relationship with Shannon, which you see a little bit in the second is he is the one who takes care of her. Exactly. So being ordered, and and also, you know, he's an early 20-somethings dude. He's just kind of a brat. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about everyone's favorite band. Drive Shaft? Drive Shaft. You all, everybody. You all, everybody. Yeah. Honestly, we should record an album. Dude, Drive Shaft Greatest Hits. Yes. Yeah. I want everyone to send in audio clips of them singing You All, Everybody. I am not joking. Yes, totally. Yeah. Our Gmail is a podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up with your sound clips. Yeah, 100%. Not kidding. So... Drive shaft is not broken up, and they're, he's like, I, I play bass. We're, we're, we're a thing. And Jack's just, you know, a massive party pooper. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll totally call your friend. I'm like, no, dude, you won't. You're, you're a little busy right now. I think the thing that I originally needed to suspend disbelief about in this, it was like, it's just silly that there's, like, a celebrity on a plane from Australia. Like, why on all the random planes would there be a celebrity? But now knowing, you know, that the entirety of television is populated with celebrities and that everyone goes to australia this seems very believable now exactly (laughs) in this little round table scene around just having a little chat yeah uh charlie opens it by saying does anyone have any sunblock yeah because charlie is aggressively english yeah (laughs) Ooh, you know what else is a cool fun fact about that scene what so charlie stands up and has a conversation with jack Mm -hmm. and (laughs) <laughs> that uh, conversation was originally supposed to be between Jack and Sawyer, and they shot it like that. And so at one point, there's an over-the-shoulder shot that where um, someone's dirtying the frame on the side, mm-hmm. and he's supposed to be talking to Charlie, but it's Sawyer. Why did they change the direction of the scene? I do not know officially, but it ended up being Charlie, but they still used a shot of Sawyer's head. It's probably it was probably that Sawyer was being too helpful at that moment. Probably, I guess. Oh yeah, they're like Sawyer can't help anybody. Yeah, not for another couple seasons at least. Mm-hmm. So it's raining and very suddenly. 
Yeah, the Korean husband won't let anyone chill underneath their thing <laughs> with his wife. Like, where are his manners? Bald guy who loves the rain. One time when I was in Disney World, it began torrentially downpouring, and I just took off my shoes and, like, walked around in there, and I was just like, it's my moment. Wait, I have- this- this story has so many layers. Where at Disney World were you that you felt safe enough to take off your shoes? We were in Magic Kingdom. No! Robin! Dude, it was clean as heck there. I know, but- well, I It was so, raining. Alright. Plus, I was wearing, like, the special Toms that I had painted myself, mm -hmm. and so I didn't want to get them wet, so I just took off my shoes. Okay. So you're that tourist. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for this little anecdote. You're welcome. I'm genuinely happy about it. I, you know okay. how much I love Disney World. So we learned that there are sometimes cons to being in first class. Yeah, apparently. Like, you know, sometimes you die. You die. But you know what? That's a risk that you gotta take sometimes. <laughs> For that extra leg room. I want to talk about Charlie's nails. Okay. I'm really hoping those are the remains of black nail polish and not just dirt. Hold, please, because I was actually under the impression that those were drug nails, so. Is that what drug nails look like? Yeah. I'm sheltered. <laughs> I don't know. Also, then why is he trying to hide the fact that he's an addict? <laughs> he's like, everyone can tell by my nails. No, they're not drug nails. I guess it's just... I assume that it's remains of black nail polish because we've yeah. seen him wear black nail polish before. Yeah. So once they get into the cockpit and, you know, there's a jump scare and it's a whole thing. I screamed, by um, the way. They learn that the pilot is actually alive. His name is Seth Norris. His name is Greg Grunberg. His name is Greg Grunberg. And Greg Grunberg is actually in every single project that J.J. Abrams has ever done. Most recently, you can spot him as a random person in Rogue One. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, shout out to Greg. But also, I'm here to ruin your day. Oh, okay. Greg Grunberg was never in person of interest. Did JJ do that? Yeah, JJ was... That's how Michael Emerson actually wound up on person of interest. He went straight from Hawaii, got on a plane to New York, shot the pilot of person of interest. Cute. Yeah. I'm I'm so sorry. It's, it's That's weird. It feels like JJ would have tried harder. I know, it's because person of interest is a special unicorn of a show. All right, fine. All right, keep going. So what we're learning from the pilot is <laughs> that, okay, so Jack tells him that 48 people have survived, at least mm -hmm. that he knows of. 16 hours is how long they've been there. And then- He was out for 16 hours, by the way. I know, right? That's really bad for you. <laughs> well, I mean, he doesn't really have to deal with the repercussions for very long, does he? All right, fair enough. So he tells them that they actually lost the radio about six hours into the flight, mm -hmm. and they turned around and headed for Fiji. We were a thousand miles off course. They're looking for us in the wrong place. Oh boy, I wonder so, why they lost the radio. I wonder. Oh boy. You know, Charlie's in the bathroom, and Kate's like, why were you in the bathroom? And Charlie's like, what? No reason, dude. Huh? So... Then the monster's outside, you know. Um, I'm sorry, do you mean the giant Tyrannosaurus Rex? Yeah. Okay, just checking. That's what I meant, yeah. Yeah. So, poor Seth Norris is not as smart as Walt, I guess. Uh-huh. And when, when everyone else around you is terrified of the thing outside, that's clearly your hint to stick your head up and see what it is. See, now that's how you can tell a red shirt from everyone else. True. Mm-hmm. And think, that was supposed to be Jack. That, oh, that's weird. And so, you know, then he gets killed, but, like, shout out to him for putting down the transceiver first. 
Yeah, thanks for setting aside the super important plot point. So Charlie trips, Jack saves him, and Kate does this thing where she's in the banyan tree. Fun fact about the banyan tree, mm-hmm. we drove past it uh, when I was on the Lost Tour, mm-hmm. and it's actually like right off the road. Oh, wow. Yeah, like it was like literally right off the road, and he was like, there it is, that's the, that's the Kate tree. And I wanted to get out and take a picture, like, in the tree, but he was like, we got places to be. And I was like, but I'd rather be there. Oh, no, I guess you're going to have to go again. I guess so. I don't know. Uh... Talk to me about the fact that Kate trusts Jack immediately. Enough to be, like, calling his name right after all this scary stuff happens. I think that, obviously, because Jack is sort of like the hero trope, People look to him immediately, but in terms of their relationship, he imparted with her with something that she knew she could trust, which was, how do you not stay scared? And so she sort of carries that with her as a character of learning how to deal with her emotions and with her fear. So I think for Kate, Jack is sort of like a calm touchstone, like already. So when she's afraid and when she's looking for him, she's going to find him no matter what because that's the first connection she made on the island and she's going to hold on to it as much as she can. Also, shout out to Evangeline Lilly for just being like the most talented. This was her first big acting role. You're kidding. No, like I'm not like she did commercials before this. Oh my God, she's good. I know. It's incredible. I love her. Yeah. When she was counting, I, I, you could feel her fear. Exactly. And so she does the counting to five. Like, she's just very talented. Mm -hmm. And then Charlie shows up and they, like, fall over. And she's, like, got her hair in his face the entire time. Yeah, it's that's such a strange scene. It is strange. Yeah. But it's really interesting because if I had to sort Charlie into a Hogwarts house, Mm -hmm. I would probably put him in uh, Slytherin. Okay. And I think that's me putting into account everything that I know about Charlie just from the whole season, especially Mm -hmm. in this episode. So it's really, I'm trying to figure out exactly how he felt when she said, we're going after him. And he said, pretty much, no, we're not. And she said, then don't come. And he still, he chooses to come anyway. Yeah. I I think uh, what I could see him thinking was probably, well, I can't walk through this jungle by myself now. So he just has to go. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, absolutely it is. It's absolute safety in numbers. He's going to go where he perceives safety to be. So one of my favorite shots in this episode is when Kate bends down and gets the pilot's pin and they Mm -hmm. like see him in the puddle. I love that. And then we learn Jack's alive. That's a scary shot. It's so scary, right? So we learn that Jack's alive and that the pilot is super dead. R.I.P. in pieces. Okay, so now we're going to move on to the flashback. (laughs) The one flashback in this episode. Um, Get used to flashbacks. They're fabulous. So we meet the flight attendant, and her name is Cindy. Mm-hmm. That's the spoiler for season two, but, like, I just genuinely don't want to keep calling her the flight attendant, so just know that her name's Cindy. Okay. Oh, sure, so you'll call okay. Locke Baldy the whole time. Well, we're about- we're literally gonna learn Locke's name, like, in the next two episodes. Alright. So Cindy gives him the vodka bottles, and you're like, okay, got it, so that's where those come from. Okay, so Jack has the plane row to himself. Mm-hmm. That doesn't usually happen, does it? Uh, what kind of plane? Is the plane large enough? Yeah. That's like, it's like a... I don't know. Um, I have definitely had big planes like that to myself. I've had rows like that to myself. I flew to London with an entire row to myself. I don't think I've ever been... 
I've never been on a plane that large. Uh, they're really cool. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm I'm seeing all these things with, like, Charlie, like, running through the plane, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. How do you find your seat after that? (laughs) When you're on really big planes like that, it's usually, like, either two and three on the uh, ends, and then three or four in the middle. Okay, so we see Charlie push past him, which Mm -hmm. then we see in the next episode. I love crap like that. I just love it so much, where you get to see the different, like, perspectives. I just love that. Yeah, it's very intricate, like, storytelling layering, where you can tell that the writers have taken great pains to lay out every moment that happened before the crash and then learn how to tangle all of the characters together. Mm -hmm. So when you see Charlie doing that, you think, oh, okay, that's an odd little moment. And then you get to see later on the continuation of that. And the whole show builds upon, you know, that 10 minutes that you see on the plane before the crash. Exactly. Yeah. Also notice that Baldy is right behind Rose. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh shoot, I said Rose. <laughs> what do we call what are we calling her again? Um I call Jack's, Rose Jack's Row Buddy. Yeah, Jack's Row Buddy. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um so notice that Baldy is right behind Jack's Row Buddy. Mm-hmm. And she mentions that her husband is in the bathroom way in the back of the plane. So that's important to remember. Yeah, maybe hold on to that little detail. Because we see her later holding on to, like, her ring. Mm-hmm. And then we learn why you wear your seatbelt on a plane. Yeah, it, y- pay attention to the safety briefings, people. I know it's more fun to play Candy Crush, but it could save your life one day. Okay, my final point for this episode. It's a uh-huh. fun fact. Are you ready? Uh-huh. I'm ready for your fun fact. So, when they're moving, when the camera is moving, and mm-hmm. everyone's like, ah, it's a plane crash or whatever, mm-hmm. um... Everything is stationary except the camera. Oh, yeah, the camera moves when and the people sh- don't. When they shot that, it's literally just the camera guy going, uh, I'm moving this. <laughs> and everyone else going, ah! That's like the reverse Star Trek where the actors stay in place, or while the camera stays in place and the actors move. I love it. Yeah. So now we're going to move on to pilot part two. Yay! Now Brittany's going to do her recap, and I haven't heard this yet, so I'm really excited. Okay, so this is pilot part two. Three nice-looking people take a walk. A day earlier, the English one starts tweaking out on a familiar-looking plane. He has drugs in his shoe because 2004 was a simpler time. In the present, Shannon works on her tan while other people haul dead bodies and plane wreckage around. It's all very normal. Michael has lost Walt because apparently kids wander on beaches. Surprise! Walt is looking for his dog. Bigger surprise, he finds handcuffs instead. What?! Sorry and Saeed battle to see who gets the S keychain they found. Kate takes a very public bath. Saeed says they need to get high. Jin and Sun fish for food. Jin is a jerk and not a jerk at the same time. It's confusing. Walt reads a comic book, Charlie does some drugs, Shannon cries, and Boone yells. Sawyer reads a piece of paper and broods. It's very handsome. Everyone goes on a nice hike with no drama at all. Locke gets heavy on the symbolism to teach Walt a thematically relevant game of backgammon. Sawyer and Saeed's second battle for the superior dude with an S name gets interrupted by a polar bear in this climate? Hurley and Jack do some shoddy surgery. Everyone accuses Sawyer of being a criminal, but surprise, the real criminal is Kate. And good news, the marshal arresting her is alive. Sort of. On the hike from hell, the squad discovered that their signal is being blocked by someone else's broadcast. Very mysterious. Love it. Okay. So now here's where I would talk about the title, but the title is exactly the same as the last one. (laughs) Uh, Broadcast date, September 29th, 2004, which is a week later than the last one. That's a long time to wait between episodes, considering it's a part one and part two. Yeah, they ended up being um, broadcast together uh, the next month, but... Oh, okay. But, I mean, or you could watch them a week apart, so. 
Okay. Up to you. And it's still written by Damon and JJ and directed by JJ. So we're going to begin with all the stuff that happens on the island, beginning with all the things that happen on the beach, and then moving into the stuff that happens while they're climbing the mountain. Mm-hmm. We're going to start making Charlie a more important character, clearly. And so Charlie, you know, keep a- keeps asking about the <laughs> transceiver like a baby. <laughs> like, are we there yet? Also, but like, same. And so Charlie calls himself a coward. Mm-hmm. And he, he uses the word coward, and, you know, Kate's very kind, says you're not a coward. He's not! However, he, I don't think he's a coward right, like, right now in this episode, but I don't think that Charlie could say that he's not a coward in general. Charlie is brave in different ways from other people. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Which is kind of like the point of the whole ensemble, is that everyone brings a different type of bravery to the table. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So, Shannon <laughs> is tanning. I mean, what else like are you going to do? do? Yeah. Pregnant woman thinks that Boone is her boyfriend, which, like, same, probably. Yeah. And But it turns out that he's just her brother. He's actually her stepbrother. Which makes a lot of things make sense. Yep. Yep. Uh, she also mentions that she doesn't know what her baby's gender is yet, and that she hasn't mo- felt it move since the crash. Hmm. I like this little bonding moment between them, by the way. Me too. I just want them to be friends. Yeah, it's it's a really nice, small little beat that I don't think we get as much in current television. Is just sort of a moment right. for two characters to breathe and start to connect with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Korean couple hang out with Walt's dad for a little bit, and it's just like awkward. I guess. It's weird. It's so weird. He tell he tells her to cover up, and I'm like, what? Yeah, here's the thing with Korean husband, because we don't know his name yet, but we kind of already said his name. I don't know if if we're allowed to say his name. I don't know, but... You know you make the rules, right? I I guess so. <laughs> but, like, we're so... I'm so conflicted on him, because, like, he's really crappy to his wife, but then he goes off and is, like, trying to help people, you know? He contains layers. True. Yeah. Anyway, they don't speak English, no. so <laughs> it's just not helpful. No. They cannot help... Walt is out looking for Vincent. Yes. Finds handcuffs. That's a twist. Yeah, yeah, that, so it happened. And those definitely were not there before. Saeed and Sawyer are fighting. Sawyer's, like, throwing sand, like a classy guy. And Walt's dad is just, like, so passive-aggressively being like, No, uh, don't. Th- this isn't good. He's helping. He's helping. So, like I said, Sawyer is, like, my problematic fave, and he really is problematic, especially at the beginning here, because, like, he's clearly being very racist. Yeah, there is some not-so-subtly implied racism that is going on with Sawyer there that is very post-9-11 paranoia. And also, like, I hate to be an apologist for that sort of stuff, because he also is quite misogynistic later in the episode, but also... Mm -hmm. I promise, knowing what I know about Sawyer, that he does get better, and that's, like, I just don't want people to think bad of me just because Sawyer's my favorite character, you know? I was like, I, was, I thought you were going to say, don't think bad of Sawyer, and I'm like, no, think bad of Sawyer, he's being a jerk. Exactly, but yeah, no, definitely think bad of Sawyer for right now. He's also very funny, but, but like, you know, and he's, he's, he's funny and he's handsome, but you can't excuse his words and his actions because of that. One of the hardest things about where we are in pop culture... And where we are as a society is that everything is very black and white. So one mistake absolutely defines uh, a character for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Whereas they are not allowed to develop into better people without having 
a lot of blame put on them for their past mistakes, which rightfully every character should remember where they came from. So when we're talking about Sawyer in later seasons, we're talking about how great Sawyer is. You can't forget that Sawyer has this whole really crappy right. past. But it sucks that it's your responsibility to have to claim, don't think I'm garbage because I like this guy, because, like, he's going to get better. It's fine. He does get better. You like, I, I mean, promise. <laughs> yeah. I promise he does get better. He does. And he learns. And, like, like I was talking about with character development, and character development is such a big deal in this show, he mm-hmm. just becomes a much better and well-rounded human being. And that is one of the keys to Lost as a show in its serialized nature is that you get to watch these characters continually work on being better people as opposed to an episodic something happens and then is forgotten the next episode. Exactly. So you get to watch Sawyer become a better person. Yes, and then, you know, he is a better person and he's handsome and he's funny. And, you know, he's still a little bit mean and very cynical, but he he's better. Yes, but for now, from what you can see of Sawyer, he is... A really racist guy who picked a fight with someone over completely baseless accusations. Exactly. And it is, like, I don't know if it was intended as a post-9-11 commentary. It feels like it probably was. Mm -hmm. But it is definitely a reflection on the Bush-era administration and what happened to Americans and their perception of everyone else after it. And you know what? This is kind of another reason why I appreciate Josh, because Josh plays Sawyer and he didn't like back down from this, you know? And I don't, I do not mm-hmm. believe that Josh agreed with any of Sawyer. Like, I don't know Josh, right? So I can't say that for sure, but mm-hmm. I don't believe from what I know about Josh that he a- agreed with anything that Sawyer said, but he also didn't back down from this. And he yeah, was just like, this is a problematic guy and there are problematic people out there. Yeah. And it's important for Sawyer's character that he grow out of those tendencies of his yeah anyway i just love josh <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so saeed says that he can help with the transceiver and that's great because saeed is helpful and lovely yes he is and then you know hurley comes in and says we're all in this together man and i'm just like who invited troy bolton oh, it's not in a fictionados podcast if robin isn't making high school musical jokes that i don't get <laughs> you get that one though right i got the troy bolton one yeah i get th- i get that one you get the one that i just made yeah, um, it's that song, right? It's like, we're all in this together. together. And we know. <laughs> yeah. And we see that. This podcast has more singing than I thought it would. We're all in this to- Okay, we're in, we don't want to do this. Okay. Um, yes, yes, we do. So, Saeed is saying that the battery is probably good, but the radio is dead. And then we have one of my favorite scenes from the pilot, which is the scene with Hurley and Saeed, in which you learn, like, pretty much this scene is so that we know... Hurley is a very kind person. If you didn't already hear, like, see that from when he was nice to the pregnant woman last episode, you see here that Hurley is a good one, you know? Yeah, Hurley is willing to be friends with anyone. And so is Saeed. Saeed's a good dude. Because when Hurley tries to shake his hand and realizes that he has his hands full of transceiver and can't really shake his hand. Saeed puts down it so that he can shake Hurley's hand, because they're both good people, which is just like a contrast to Sawyer right now. Yeah, it's important to him. Yeah. Anyway, I just love these characters so much. (laughs) Um, So we learned that uh, Saeed was in the military, and he fought in the Gulf War, and then it's, you know, this kind of awkward place where he, (laughs) Hurley's like, Oh, cool. And then we learn that they're on different sides. But that doesn't change Hurley's perspective of Saeed. 
Which is also something really interesting. Yeah. It's not like Hurley stands up and goes, ah, never mind, handshake rescinded, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. He's just like, okay, and, like, he's learning something, because now he's just made friends with this man, and he's not gonna, like, go and take that away, because Hurley's a good dude. Yeah. Now I just kind of want to talk about the contrast between Kate and, I can't say her name, so I guess I'll just call her, should I call it Korean woman or Korean wife? Korean woman, probably. Is it? Should, or, is generalizing, is that problematic? What else am I supposed to call her? Like saying Korean wife. I don't know. Can we, we should really just use their names. Okay, we're just going to use their names. Yeah. So we're just going to start using the characters' names. Like, sorry, but like, we, these generalizations are kind of sad. So we don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So um, the Korean uh, husband and wife, their names are Jin and Sun, respectively. So I want to talk about the contrast mm-hmm. between Kate and Sun in this scene. Where Kate okay. is j- just, like, really practically naked, and then Sun has just been told to cover up. hmm I mean, I say I want to talk about the contrast, but then I just point it out and don't really say anything about it. Oh, my God. Question. Mm-hmm. Sun is telling Kate, someone's looking for you over there. Who? How did she know that? Who told her that? She doesn't speak English. Well, maybe that is an Easter egg for a future plot revelation? <laughs> Hmm, maybe. I mean, but in, in all seriousness, like, you could look at that, you look at that and go, oh, well, how did she know that? Yeah. And it's, Like, maybe someone well, just came up to her and said, Kate, where? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, to- it's totally possible that she put two and two together, but it could also be a more co- complex reason than that. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's a hint. Yeah. Perhaps that is just a little Easter egg. So... Pretty much, Sayu tells her that we need to get signal from high ground, and she's like, how high? And he's like, real friggin' high. (laughs) So, she goes to talk to Jack, and she's like, hey, I'm leaving, and Jack's like, one sec, let me just deal with this dude, and she's like, we don't got time. So, he's saying that he does not think he can save the marshal, Mm -hmm. and, because he hoped that he'd be in a hospital, and now he just, like, has to take out this piece of metal, because what else is he gonna do? Mm -hmm. But Kate decides to go out into the jungle without Jack, and then we have, like, this dramatic moment where he's like... If you see or hear anything, anything, run. And it's like, you know, in any other instance, I'd be like, that's stupid advice. But with Kate, considering how stubborn she is, she probably should be reminded of those things. True. Yeah. So now we have a scene between Jin and Sun in which I just don't know how to feel because Jin right now is being written so that we think that he's not a great husband. Yeah. Later on, we do kind of see his perspective and learn more about him. Mm-hmm. But right now, I just don't, I just don't even know what to say about it at this point. Jin is inherently unlikable at this point in time, yeah. just as many of the characters are. Yes. Yes. You know, it's, it's something to keep in mind that, you know, this is who Jin was at the beginning. Yeah. Very controlling very careful, very, he isolates them, but at the same time, he controls his own exposure to other people. Mm -hmm. So he, his idea of interacting with others is providing them service. So saying, I have, you know, I I, I have food, I would like to share that with you. And then he specifically chooses which people he wants to interact with in that instance. And they are, notice that he chooses very safe people. He doesn't choose very safe you're right yeah yeah he he makes sure to try and ally he and son with people that are going to be more agreeable right yeah that's an interesting point i like that yeah 
Yeah, he's like, Hurley and also the pregnant woman's name is Claire. So yes. let's just let's just say that, first of all, because we haven't said that. Yeah, so, you know, it's Hurley who is kind and Claire who needs the help. True. Also, really quickly, the fact that Sun undoes her button is, like, the first hint that we get that's just, like, Sun is a badass. Sun is the most rebellious little sunflower. I love Sun. Yes. Yeah, so Jin tries to feed Hurley. Is Jin mean or nice? We, you know, he has layers. Yes, he does. One of my favorite scenes in this episode is when Hurley really just goes, Dude, dude, I'm starving. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm nowhere near that hungry. There's no freaking way. So mean. No, no, thank you. It is kind of mean. And you think, like, do I want to feel bad for this guy, though? I mean, but it's like an olive branch. And Hurley rejects the olive branch. Mm -hmm. So, damn it, Hurley. But also, I get it. Later on, they'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, Walt has this comic book. It's in Spanish and it has a polar bear on it. You have comic book thoughts, don't you? What do you mean? (laughs) You have lots of comic book thoughts. Like, thoughts about this particular comic book? Uh-huh. Pretty much, this is foreshadowing, is pretty much what I'm saying. Is that Walt, like, here's a polar bear, and now here comes a polar bear. Mm-hmm. At this point. <laughs> so there's that. And we get a hint that maybe Michael, who's Walt's dad's name, his name is Michael, Michael doesn't really know his son very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he asks him if he can speak Spanish, like, he doesn't know. Exactly. And then he says, when we get home, we'll get another dog. Which is just like, you should know that's the wrong thing to say. But like, as a human being, you should know that's the wrong thing to say. Exactly. Not even as a dad, but as a human being. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, Jack says he needs prescription medications. He needs things that end in myosin and psyllin. Penicillin. Yeah, penicillin. I think my mom's allergic to that. I don't know. My mom's allergic to that, too. Yo, it's mom's. It, mo- it has to be. That's oh my is. god. Robin, if we become moms, are we going to be allergic to penicillin? Oh, no. Uh, okay, so Shannon is... I have a lot of feelings about Shannon. I think mm-hmm. that the first probably three times I watched the show, I didn't like Shannon. And then I started being like, Shannon, I get you, though. Yeah. Shannon, to me, is like actually a very funny character because she is what I imagine someone in 2017 would write as a stereotypical millennial. Right. Like spoiled, whining, doesn't want to work. Like, to me, that is exactly what slightly ignorant writer would choose to write about not only women, but millennials. But looking at Shannon, man, do I get Shannon. I do get Shannon. And especially, like, she has her own episode in season two, Mm -hmm. near the beginning of season two. And, like, after seeing that episode, you're like, you definitely get Shannon. And it, that just goes back to the show's emphasis that different people can handle different things and are different levels of strong. Exactly. Shannon can handle what Shannon went through. And she also thinks that, you know, she's the only one struggling on this island. She doesn't have the capability to quite understand or empathize with the fact that everyone else is going through the same thing. But she has other strengths, which you get to see later when she translates French. Is Shannon can step up and do something. It's just... She's a really afraid person. Mm-hmm. And, like, Maggie Grace brings so much, so much to, to her character. Mm-hmm. She's just incredible. Not only is she, like, a, like a totally believable crier, but also, like, she's a, an amazing actor. She, she brings Shannon great empathy that I think turns Shannon from an annoying character. And this could be because, you know, we're now 
a couple years older and are yeah. women that we really understand Shannon on a different level. Mm-hmm. But I think... When the show first ran, I remember a lot of people not liking Shannon, and I think that comes from an ugly place in society. So now I'm very like Team Shannon. <laughs> yeah, definitely Team Shannon. Yeah, I'm very proud of her. Boone and Shannon are fighting, but I'm also like not anti Boone either. No, because Boone knows her. Because I understand where Boone comes from as well. Yeah. Um, and I really love the part of the fight where no, he's just you like, don't. okay, Shannon, Shannon what, what are, are you thinking? thinking? And then she, like, legitimately doesn't have anything, so she just has to, like, take a second and think. (laughs) We've all been in the middle of one of those fights. Yeah. We've all been in that fight with our siblings. So Shannon decides that she wants to go with, with, on the track with what I assume was just going to be Kate and Saeed. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Boone is bringing up this whole thing where it's, like, Shannon's whole thing is just, like, doing annoying things that are going to upset her family. And right now, the only person that she has to annoy is him. And so this is what's going to annoy him, and that's why she's doing it. Literally, the only thing I think is that lyric from Hamilton, which Which is, I I know my sister like I know my own mind. (laughs) Oh my god! Who knows Shannon so well. Except the next line is, you will never find anyone as trusting or as kind, which, like, not so Shannon. No, not so Shannon, but that's the only thing I can think of is just, Boone just gets it. Yes, I love it. And also, iconic moment in which the camera pans over and Saeed is just watching. <laughs> I, I like to call this moment Sassy Saeed. Saeed's got this look on his face like, oh, what is going on here? Like, if you didn't notice that, please go back and watch yeah. that moment. Because Saeed looks like the drama. <laughs> he just loves it. We will tweet the gif out of that moment when this comes out, because that gif, I think, not only is an iconic thing, but also is such a meme. Yes. Yeah. So now I'm just kind of looking up Evangeline Lilly and Maggie Grace, just because Shannon says, what are you, two years older than me? And I want to know how much older (laughs) she actually was at the time. So in 2004, okay, so Evangeline Lilly is 34, 37 years old. So how long ago was 2004? 13 years. So 37 minus 13 is, where's my calculator? I know I'm not smart enough for this. Evangeline Lilly was 24, and Maggie Grace is 33 right now, so 24 minus 4. She's 20, oh my god! Yeah. Because Shannon says that she's 20 later in the series, or later this season. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that Maggie Grace was, like, actually 20 at the time. Wow, she a baby. She a baby. She was... She was... Oh my god, what am I doing with my life? I I knew you were about to say that. I was like, she's younger than you are. Curse you, Maggie Grace. Anyway, I love her. (laughs) I love the moment where... It's so Charlie. Like, he walks up, and she's like, are you going? And he's like, yeah, are you? Oh, okay, well, yeah, I'm definitely going now. Yeah. Charlie just wants to be included. He just wants to be included so bad. And spend time with a pretty girl. That's all. That's all he wants. That's flippin' relatable. You want to be included and spend time with pretty girls? I'm Charlie and Charlie is me. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I love Charlie so much. Another hint that Michael doesn't really know Walt very well is when Jack asks how old he is. And he says... Nine. Ten. Ten. Yeah. Because he's just not sure. Ah, the old absent dad trope. And we learn about that later. Um, And then Jack mentions that he saw Vincent, which is great. Mm-hmm. Now I really want to talk about Baldy, whose name is uh, actually Locke, John Locke. <laughs> this going to make me laugh for the rest of my life. Locke, John Locke, who is one of like the 
greatest characters in all of fiction. I don't know. That's my opinion. Yeah. So Locke's playing backgammon and decides to talk with Walt. Uh, Walt reveals that his mom, well, he was living in Australia with his mom. So that tells <laughs> us that Michael wasn't in his life. Yeah. And that she died a couple of weeks ago, and then Locke goes, you're yeah, having a bad, bad month. month. And it's, like, cute. I guess. But it's also, yeah. like, sad. He's, I, I, I always love when characters bond with kids. Me too. Especially characters you wouldn't expect. Especially when the kids don't really have anyone else to hang out with. Exactly, because there's no fellow kids around. He brings up... Two players. Two sides. One is light. One is dark. There's systematics statement of the whole show the pilot here you go this is literally the biggest theme in the series Mm -hmm. like try and think of a theme that's more important than this theme there isn't you can't it's sprinkled through the whole thing you you see you see it everywhere you see it in the opening and closing credits with Mm -hmm. the clear black and white lost logo yes one is light and one is dark that's the entire show yeah it's the whole show is light and light and dark. And there's there's loads of themes like fate versus free will and redemption is a big one. Letting go, like I was talking about with Jack. Like, mm-hmm. there's just, there's so many amazing themes, but the biggest one is light and dark. Light and and dark. they lay it out for you. First episode, well, first episode. Second episode mm-hmm. technically, but it's there. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's definitely, and I like that they gave it through two very, from a character that we find to be very mysterious and mm-hmm. from a character that is accessible because it is a child. Yes. Yeah. So he says, do you want to know a secret? And our next episode of this podcast, you will know what the secret is. But we can't talk about it right now. Ooh, secret. Ooh. So then Ooh. Jin tries to feed Claire. Mm-hmm. And she feels her baby moves and she talks about how she thinks it's a boy. And you can totally tell that Dan, Daniel Day Kim, who plays Jin, was like about to break. <laughs> Why? In this scene. Well, you can just see him because he's, like, almost laughing the Aww. whole time. I just love Dan so much. He's just so kind and so positive, and he's just great. And the thing that I really like about this scene is, again, playing with Jin's power dynamic, is he is going to someone on his own terms, and she changes the entire way that their relationship works, where he is not just reaching out to her, but she's also reaching out back. Yes. Which mm-hmm. he didn't expect. And I think that's really cool because it pulls him out of his own bubble and into hers. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's the contrast between how his interaction with Hurley went mm-hmm. as well. Yes. She is much more open and willing to learn and to try new things. Mm-hmm. Later, Jack is getting Hurley to help him out doing this sort of surgery, I guess. And Hurley checking out if the marshal is still, like, awake or not, says, Yo, there's a rescue plane! We're saved! Yay! Which is, like, one of my favorite moments of this of the episode. Oh, Hurley. Okay, so Hurley mentions that he cannot do blood. And, like, he can't do it so much that he, like, passes out. Here's the thing. If Jack's a doctor, why didn't he just go, Oh, you don't like blood? Well, um, let me see if someone else will do it. Because guess what? Hit up Boone! Yeah, what the hell was Boone doing? Oh wait, he was he's Wait, Boone he's was on the hike. He's walking on there the was literally do it. There were there were no other main build characters to help him out. <laughs> he could probably get Michael to do it. He could have gotten Locke to do it. Well, we needed this bonding moment between the two of them. Yeah, true. Okay, fine. Narrative. Hurley outside its comfort zone is always great comedic uh <laughs> value. 
Yeah. So the marshal wakes up. Dun, dun, dun. And it's pretty much just like this moment where he's just like, where is she? But of course, we know who he's talking about because we've already seen the flashback. I think she's in trouble. Me too. Yeah. That's trouble with a capital T. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So kind of breaking off into what happens on the mountain, on the island, Sawyer decides to come with them on the trek because I'm he's a, a complex, complex guy, guy sweetheart. Can I give you a fun fact? Oh my God, yes. When they wrote Sawyer, he was supposed to be like a more dignified businessman type of person. <laughs> and so when they... Yeah, I know. So when... Josh was cast, they kind of just threw that out the window and wrote him as more of a redneck kind of person. Mm-hmm. But this, these scenes in the mountain were shot within like the first little bit of shooting. Mm-hmm. And Josh still thought that Sawyer was supposed to be um, a more dignified dude. And so in these scenes, Josh is trying to get rid of his Southern accent. And you can tell that he's not talking Ooh. in a Southern accent. Like, I mean, he's not very good at it, so, like, it's still kind of Southern. But JJ, like, pulled him aside and went, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm trying to get rid of my accent. And he's like, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that. That's really sweet. Yeah. So, you know, Josh had just had to be himself. <laughs> it's great, because I love it. So that's my fun fact for that. I loved it. I'm really liking these fun facts. I'm learning a lot. Good. I literally wrote Josh accent fun fact. So. Oh wow! So that was all right off the top of your head. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, like I watch it and then I go, "Ooh, I have a fun fact for that one." Let's just remind myself there. Okay. The next thing I want to talk about is shout out to Michael Giacchino for the music this episode. (gasps) The adventure music. The adventure music. It's actually called Hollywood and Vines, Mm -hmm. and it's my favorite song from the entire Lost soundtrack ever. And what's really cool about Hollywood and Vines is that this, like, these um, notes are played very often when they're doing, like, treks or, like, long journeys or something Mm -hmm. all throughout the series. Yeah, this is the, okay, we're about to do, like, a montage climbing over Mm -hmm. a mountain sort of thing. It goes, do, 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 so there you go. Oh, and then it goes. Okay. Holy. That's, so that's Hollywood and Vines. Frack. Next thing that happens on the mountain is that Sawyer and Saeed are like still fighting. And they really want that S keychain, I'm telling you. They just really want the S keychain for yeah. being the best person with the name S. Yeah. So then they think that it's like the monster. And like, I love this moment because Shannon's like, I shouldn't have come. Okay, but like, I'm <laughs> Shannon. I know. I like, right? It's like, I wanted to be brave and I wanted to prove something to my sibling because they're always right about me and I hate that they're always right. But I deeply regret this now. And then, you know, Boone does the Boone thing and like saves her. Like uh-huh. he does. Kate calls out Sawyer, which... She must have learned off screen because that's the very first time that we hear his name. Oh, what's yeah. up with these characters not getting named? I don't know. But yeah, that's the first time we ever hear his name. All right. I like checked a bunch of times. Okay. Trying to figure out if we heard it. But that's the first time. So I, we just assume that they were like, oh, you decided to come. I'm a complex guy, sweetheart. Also, my name's Sawyer. <laughs> like, I don't know. So if you were calling him handsome jerk in your head, now is the time to switch to Sawyer. Now you can call him Sawyer. Yeah. Or handsome jerk, either one. 
You know what? Honestly, it's the same. Yep. So he shoots the thing nine times. Oh, now I've written bear fun fact. So would you like to hear it? I, I'm going to blow your mind right now. Uh Uh-huh. Do you know it? I, too, have a bear fun fact, and I know it's not the same as yours. Oh, okay. Well, do you want to go first? No, I want you to go first. So my bear fun fact is that originally, when they were doing the polar bear, they just, like, had this stuffed polar bear, and they just, like, threw it up, and then it fell down. And they were like, there's the polar bear. And they used that in the original showing of it. Mm-hmm. And so, but of course, you know, there are people like us who go frame by frame to look at this polar bear. And yeah. it literally was like, it looked like a giant stuffed polar bear had just been thrown. And that's just like what the, what the screenshot looked like. So they ended up having to like CGI it for every other showing to make it look like an actual scary polar bear. That is so funny. It is so funny. I would like to send you the picture. Oh, please do. And then definitely tweet it too. Yeah, I honestly, if I can find it, then I might just be like, Google this. But at some point they bring the polar bear back, don't they? Yeah, they bring the polar bear back, but not this polar bear. Because... This one's dead. They use a real polar bear at some point. I am 100% sure because... Oh, yeah. No, yeah, they do. Okay. Because my fun fact is that that polar bear actually chilled out in Vancouver for a little while. Oh. Because one of the girls that I went to school with had a farm where they kept show animals. That's amazing. So they had the bears and the uh, the cow from Fringe. Wow. And all, so basically all JJ show animals wound up in Vancouver. That's cool. And I went to school with the people whose farm they were on. If you Google lost polar bear, uh-huh. the first uh, image is what it ended up being. And the third image is what people saw the very first time that they they paused on it. Okay, I am I'm googling this right now. I have to know. Okay. It's so funny. Okay, first one, very scary bear. Jesus, that's a scary bear. Second one, that is a stuffed bear. That is a stuffed bear. They just threw They a literally bear. just threw a bear. That's that's just a bear that they threw. That's just a bear. I'm so happy right now. Yeah. So, anyway, that's my bear fun fact. Okay, also, something else that must have happened off-screen is that Boone says... I think that's what killed the pilot? So, I think it was maybe... No, it was earlier this episode when Boone said, are there any survivors? And Jack said no. So, Charlie or Kate must have told Boone that the pilot was alive. Yeah. And anyway, I just don't know how Boone knows this information, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's weird that he came by that information. And then Charlie says it's the tiny version and it's a polar bear. Oh my gosh, what? Tiny bird. Well, yeah, because there's like a small version and then there's T-Rex. Exactly. Duh. So then, you know, there's a great moment where Shannon's like, polar bears don't usually live in the jungle. And Charlie's like, you are so smart. (laughs) Charlie's really trying here. It's like, you're the smartest person I've ever met in my life. He's just really putting work in. So Sawyer gets this gun from a U.S. Marshal. And he took took that, that too, because he thought it was cool. And Saeed says, you're the one who's the prisoner. And Sawyer does not deny it. No, he doesn't deny it. Because Sawyer has a past where he, like... I feel like, I'm gonna get real deep with you, Sawyer 100% feels like a prisoner. Like, in his own mind. Well, I... (laughs) No, it sounds silly, but, like, I completely... He's definitely imprisoned by his own demons. Absolutely. Like, it sounds super cliche, but, like, it's kind of true. Yeah, but that's the character he is, right? He's the mm-hmm. jerk with the heart of gold who has a dark past. 
And yo, that is my favorite type of character. Is the jerk with the heart of gold? Yeah, with the like dark past that he's always thinking about and trying to like atone for. Be good, like atone for exactly. I tend to respond. I think my new favorite trend with those is uh, women who female characters who are like that. So like mm. Kate is very much that character as well. Yeah. So, which is really cool, which is another reason why hashtag skate was so great. Skate, skate. is my ship. Yeah. Just thought I'd point that little skate parallel out. Definitely. And then it's a great moment where, you know, Kate steals the gun and she's like, how do I use a gun? And Charlie goes, I think you just pull the trigger. <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. Because, like, he just doesn't think things through, but, like, I love him. But I also really like that Kate was clever enough to get that gun out of his hand really quickly. Yes, definitely. And then Saeed, like, literally looks it over at Charlie and just goes, don't do that. Yeah, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't help. <laughs> so Sawyer's, like, clearly super into Kate and, like... He's into Kate in a playground way. Exactly. And, like, as a feminist, I am appalled at this scene. But, like, as a skate shipper, I'm, like, so intrigued. <laughs> I just love them together so much, so I just don't even know. Oh, he's, but, like, such, he's such a jerk. He's such a jerk, but, like, it's the best scene, because, like, you see how strong Kate is. Mm-hmm. I don't know your type. I'm not so sure. Yeah. Even with girls like you. No girl's exactly like me. I love Kate. I like, I like that Kate has absolutely zero interest in that approach that he tried. Exactly. Sawyer is very used to being able to charm people, and he's used to being able to use his bad attitude to charm people, and that's not working with Kate. Which is amazing, because it it would work on me. (laughs) Josh. (laughs) Okay, well, we found Robin's uh, character default. (laughs) Sorry. Like, those are the characters I like, and like, sorry, that's how it's gotta go. (laughs) Here's my thing that I always think about every time I watch this this episode, Mm -hmm. is that... She she walks over and she has her flashback and then she's still just standing in the exact same place and mm-hmm. Saeed comes up and goes, We should probably go. <laughs> they're all they're all just like, wait <laughs> How long was she standing there for? <laughs> just like having this like memory time. Cause like it wouldn't make sense if she like literally just walked over there and he said, Hey, we should go. I don't know why you're over here or whatever. She must have been over there for a while and they all were just like standing around waiting for her. Like I don't know. It, well, it's an understood thing between all of them. Oh, we gotta pause. One of us is having a flashback. Okay, everyone just chill. Yeah. J- take a minute. Grab some water. We good? Okay, let's keep going. Okay, so Saeed checks the radio, and here's the transmission, so and Charlie's never so happy to hear the French. <laughs> Shannon speaks French, but she wasn't in Paris. She was drinking, not studying. Which, like, me and Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't drink, but also same. Yeah, no, same. Like, I don't speak, like, normal French. I speak, can I get something French? Yeah. Uh, and then we realize that the transmission is repeating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Saeed did some crazy math in his head. Because he Saeed. Shannon does, like, this translation. And her translation... Oh, look, I wrote fun fact down. Her translation is, like, close. It's not quite. And actually, the trans transmission changes every time. So it's actually not... Wait, do you actually speak French? Uh, no, but I can read Lostpedia and it'll tell me what it actually says. Oh my god. I was like, oh my god, worst Canadian ever, because I don't speak a word of French. But okay, we're on the same team. <laughs> no, yeah, we're good. Okay. Um, so if you check Lostpedia, and we'll mm-hmm. probably talk about what it actually says in the spoilers segment, because mm-hmm. some of it is actually spoilers, but she gets the gist of it, is what I'm yeah. saying. 
So then we learn that it's been going for 16 years. And why is it still playing? Has anyone come? Would it be still playing if someone did come? And then Charlie just says, like, the iconic line. Guys. Where are we? You're like, what is it? This is the beginning. That is the question that everyone asks, but no one really gets the answer to. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's the the unanswerable question. (laughs) They're like, wait till season six and we'll tell you. Okay, so now we're going to move on to this short Charlie flashback. So he's tapping his ring against the thing. And I sure have some things to say about the ring in the spoiler section. (laughs) Um, He pushes past Jack, which we saw in the first episode. Mm -hmm. And he goes, like, climbs over top of Boone and Shannon. You know, like you do. Yeah, like I said, this is, like, the biggest plane I've ever seen in my entire life. Because it's just, like, rows and rows and rows and rows. I like like this episode as Robin discovers how planes work. Aviation. (laughs) Wow. So, how did he get past security with heroin in his shoe? Because it was 2004 and it was a simpler time and the shoe bomb hadn't happened yet. Okay, (laughs) I'll take that. I... Do we want to, uh, let me just, like, really quickly make sure that I'm right. But I'm pretty sure it's because, um, uh, they, we didn't have to start taking our shoes off quite yet. Also known as the Shoe Bomber, who's a British man who attempted to detonate explosives packed in the shoes he was wearing while on American Airlines Flight 63. That was in 2001. Oh. So we don't know. Okay, so it was 2004, and even though it was a simpler time compared to 2017, you still could not get through security with drugs in your shoe. So we don't know. We don't know. Suspension of disbelief comes into play here. Exactly. So Charlie is like legitimately going to flush his drugs down the toilet. Mm-hmm. But then he doesn't because he can't. So close. Okay, that's kind of all we have to say about Charlie flashback. So we're moving on to Kate's flashback. So we see the marshal who is in fact sitting beside her mm-hmm. and calls the uh, the flight attendant sweetheart, which mm. is almost a contrast to Sawyer question mark. It's a great way to communicate very quickly that a man has no respect for uh, women. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, the flight attendant totally gets that. She's like, okay. She's like, all right, I'm going to spit in your coffee later. So what we kind of learn from their little conversation is that we definitely see that they have been familiar with each other for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Like, they seem very familiar. And, like, we learn later that, like, he's been chasing her for, like, years. Mm-hmm. And so... They have something of a relationship. Exactly. And you can tell that it's not, like, super awkward or anything. It's, like, he feels almost triumphant, you know? Yeah, he he finally got... She's the one who got away from, from... For him, from his professional career. Yeah. So, Kate's the one who is in the handcuffs. It has been in the handcuffs, which, you know, is why she was holding her wrists earlier. Mm hmm She says, I have one favor to ask, but we'll figure out what that was next episode. Oh, Okay. Uh, yeah, literally next episode we learn. Even I was like, oh, when do we find about? that out? <laughs> Tabula Rasa, episode 103. All right. My thing about this scene okay. is that it is so telling for Kate that her second thing that she does after not being able to get the oxygen is to get the keys. Yeah. And what does she do when she gets the keys? She doesn't put her own oxygen mask on. She puts his oxygen mask on. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think she gets her own and then, like, takes one breath and then does his. Yeah, like... She makes sure that even though this is someone who is, you know, on his way to hopefully try and arrest her, she has to, she's going to take care of him too. And then he ends up, like, living long enough to let everyone know that she's the one who, at least Jack, as of right now, that yeah. she's the one who was she's in the, the handcuffs. Yeah. So 
I mean, that's why I don't think that Kate is a Slytherin. No, she's not. Because if she were, she would probably just be like, bye, my life's easier now. But instead, she stays to help, so she is probably a stubborn Gryffindor. Yep. Okay, that's everything, so we're gonna move on to our segments now. Yeah. Okay, so mm, one of my segments is called Robin's Fun Facts, and I usually just, like, fold them into the conversation, but this one is kind of about the pilot as a whole. So (laughs) both parts of the pilot were included in this, and at the time that it was produced, it was the most expensive pilot in television history, and they spent $12 million. That was their budget. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, I guess something beat them now, but I don't know what it is. Oh god, what could even beat them? I know. They're like, we need an entire plane, and also we want to shoot in Hawaii. (laughs) I'm I'm legitimately trying to think of what could probably- oh, Game of Thrones. I never saw- I mean, I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I don't know what the pilot looks like, but- I mean, I just assume the whole show's expensive as hell. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they shoot in Europe. Oh, yeah, okay. Anyway. Okay, moving on. We'd also like to have a segment called Freakout Moments, and pretty much what we're asking is if you watch an episode and you're just like, I have something to say- about this immediately feel free to record it around 30 seconds to a minute if you want about anything we will play it you send it to aficionados podcast at gmail.com and and we'll do it yep we will for example the end of the fourth episode of lost which is called walkabout is probably one of the best twists in the series and if you watch that and think wow i need to say something Freaking go ahead. Sounds yeah. great. <laughs> okay, um, so we have favorite lines from both parts of the pilot. My favorite line from part one is, it goes to Michael, and it's... And my favorite line from pilot part one goes to Charlie Pace for... Hey guys, is this normal? Kind of day turning into night, you know, end of the world type weather. Is this... Guys... Because <laughs> just no one pays attention to him. And my honorable mention uh, also goes to Charlie for any time he says something like, My name's Charlie. Charlie's fine. Hey, by the way, I'm not Jack. I'm fine. Charlie's fine, by the way. Okay. I heard you shout. I heard you shout, Jack. I'm Charlie, by the way. <laughs> Charlie's really trying to distinguish himself from the pack. Exactly. And for part two, my favorite line goes to Rose, and it's... Guess you really have to go. Because for some reason that cracked me up. (laughs) And uh, my quote from pilot part two goes to Kate and Sawyer for... Where did that come from? Probably Bear Village. How the hell do I know? (laughs) And my honorable mention goes to Sawyer again for... Don't forget to carry the one chief. Can you tell who my favorite character is? But also, I would like everyone to know that when Robin writes notes about Sawyer, she doesn't call him Sawyer, she calls him Soy Sauce. He's very important to me. So she has about a bazillion nicknames for him. Okay, so stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing these episodes within the context of the rest of the series. But Mm -hmm. please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers for the entire series, so please proceed with caution. Thank you very much for listening to our first Lost Podcast. Uh, our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you're a fan of The 100, we'd like to talk about that show, too. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we'd like to talk about that show, too. Basically, if you're a fan of Murder Teens, we've got you covered. <laughs> murder <laughs> Teens, that's what it is. You can follow The Aficionados on Twitter at at The Aficionados. 
And you can tweet us with anything that you would like us to discuss or to discuss with us. We like talking to you. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theafficionados. And we also have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you have anything to spare, you can donate. The lowest is $1 a month. So if you have anything, we would really appreciate it. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Appertania with two T's and an underscore at the end. And you can follow me at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y on pretty much anything. And next week, we will be doing episodes 103 and 104, which is, t- I can't... Tabula. Tabula Rasa. Leave this in because I'm an idiot. Okay. Episodes 103 and 104, Tabula Rasa and Walkabout. With our special guest, Sarah, who is Oscar Miked on Twitter. And I'm so excited for her to join us because she's very, very, very smart. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. But also, don't buy. <laughs> don't buy if you don't want, if you can do spoilers. Can we do hold music? Okay, so I assume that everyone everyone who can't do spoilers has left. treasure that for the rest of my life good okay oh I'm my god go. what wait my number one question in the I'm, I'm so glad we're at the spoiler segment i feel like i can finally like relax okay okay so my number one question that my cousin asked me while we were watching is why uh-huh. the hell can the smoke monster not go on the beach well he does and at the end of uh walkabout wait so they're they just like they're on the beach and the smoke monster know they're on the beach but it just doesn't want to touch them well, like, he, the thing is that when we see him on the beach, he's as a different person. Like, he, he's taken the body of Christian Shepherd. Right. So, I think that we need to stop thinking of it as, why can't the monster, and think of it, why isn't M- MIB doing this? Yeah, why, why is MIB leaving them alone on the beach? I, I don't know. MIB has, like, a bajillion different ulterior motives. I'm just gonna assume that he's thought about it. Okay. That was, like, the number one thing. At the at the very end of season five, or, sorry, at the very beginning of the, the very beginning of the end of season five, so the season five finale, the beginning of the episode, he's talking about how people come and they corrupt, and I don't know the, I don't remember the exact quote, but something like, they kill and they mess everything up. They come, fight, they destroy, they corrupt. It always ends the same. It only ends once. Anything that happens before that, it's just progress. Uh-huh. And so I assume he's, like, kind of just staying away for right now. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's just, like, watching them to see what they'll do. Yeah. And then hurting them. Doing. So, but when the smoke monster is, slash MIB is out, is that because Ben has sent it after them? Um, I don't think so. I think that okay. he can summon MIB, but also MIB kind of just does what he wants. Okay. At the very beginning... Jack calls, like, there's this dude trapped under a thing, and Jack calls, everyone, come help! Help, everyone! And Locke gets up and just, like, goes over and helps helps the dude. Nothing unusual there. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you learn two episodes from now that, like, he literally just gained his, <laughs> his, like, legs back. Use and his he's, legs. like, up here helping people like a boss. And on the beach, when they bring Rose back to life, Rose had a disease, right? 
Yes, Rose did have a disease. She had cancer, and so she was dying, and Bernard took her to Australia to see this guy who was supposed to, like, clear her energy and, like, save her or whatever, and he pretty much uh-huh. just says, this is not, like, uh, some. this is, like, a sacred space, but it's not for everybody. It's for uh-huh. a lot of people, but it's not f- for you, and I don't know where yours is, and I'm sorry. And then when they came to the island, they knew where it she was. was like, this is my place. Oh, my God. Shout out to Boone for, like, accidentally basically putting that into fruition. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about Bernard then. Okay. So we haven't had the moment where Jack goes and talks to Bernard or talks to Rose about the fact that Bernard is clearly dead, but she's like, no, no, Mm -hmm. no, he's alive. But she has, we have seen her, like, kissing her ring. I think that this is where Rose and Jack sit and talk about how Bernard isn't dead. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine a giant plane right there? Oh my gosh. And there's where Saeed started walking off. So like shout out to Bernard for being alive because Rose and Bernard are like the best. Rose and Bernard and Desmond and Penny are like the undisputed OTPs. Exactly. Yeah. I also wanted to talk about when Jack and Kate are on the beach and she's like sewing him up and he's sa- telling his story and she's saying, man, I would have run out of that room. Mm-hmm. And Jack says, you're not running now. And it's like, this is a hint and foreshadowing about Kate because that's her whole thing is like running yeah, away. She, she cuts and runs. So like, I just wanted to point out that moment. That's also like a total Sawyer thing too. Mm-hmm. Like she and Sawyer are so damn similar. Sigh. It makes me emotional. Um, I also wanted to bring up that they've kind of, I don't think anyone's, like, designated him this, but Hurley is, like, uh, in charge of the food. And Hurley becomes in charge of the food in the hatch in season two and ends up having, like, a whole lot of anxiety about it. No, real original making the fat guy in charge of the food. <laughs> right. I'm not meaning that derogatorily. I mean, like, that's a literal criticism on that choice and I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah. Do they put... I didn't know they put Hurley in charge of the food. Like, for right now? No, in the hatch. Oh, yeah. He ends up being in charge of the food. So there's an episode in season two called Everybody Hates Hugo. And it's all about, like... I love that episode. Charlie coming up and being like, I need peanut butter because Claire wants peanut butter. And he's like, I can't give... I just can't give you peanut butter because I can't give anybody anything right now. And so everybody ends up being angry. So Hurley and Raven Reyes have actually more in common than just their last name. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Hurley got a lot of anxiety from being in- responsible for the food. Okay. Next. Um, I, I, I do have a question. Is it okay if I just, like, ask questions? Yeah, ask me questions. Okay. I got you. So, I was trying to figure out the timeline of what was happening while the plane was crashing. Okay. And that's the exact moment that Desmond didn't push the button, right? Right. So, but we also learned later that Jacob and everybody always wanted them on the island, Yes. Yes. So, if Des hadn't pushed the button, would they still have wound up on the island? I think somehow they probably all would have wound up on the island, but I also feel like Jacob is kind of like, you know, Jacob's kind of God, and so he was probably like, this is going to be the moment where Desmond goes and finds out that Kelvin isn't telling him the truth, Mm -hmm. and so he's going to go out there and kill Kelvin, and that's going to be the reason, so... I feel like either way, it probably would have happened and Jacob would have found a way for it to happen, so. Okay. So, but regardless, that plane crashed because Desmond didn't press the button. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. notice how I managed to make things about Desmond? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. 
Um, I, I actually have a point about Desmond. What? So when I was talking about how Jack has the row to himself, mm-hmm. in the Flash Sideways at the very beginning of season six, Jack also has the row to himself, but then, like, I think Jack goes to the bathroom to, like, help Charlie because he's a doctor and he, like, gets the heroin out of his throat or whatever. And yeah. then he comes back and Desmond's sitting there. Yeah. And Desmond's was... like, oops, sorry. Is this Does your he... spot? Doesn't he have the sunglasses on there? He has, like, some kind of, like, knowing smirk on his face. I, he probably does, and he's reading something, but I cannot recall what it is, but I'd love to talk about it later. Freaking Desmond. Because I guess he just didn't like sitting where he was before, I don't know. But also he had to familiarize Jack with his face. Exactly. Yeah. And then I also had a thing about Locke's scar. I wanted to know if they gave him a scar because Terry had a scar, or if they put it on for every episode. And I went through <laughs> Terry's Google Images search, and it seems like they put that scar on every time why do you why do you think he needed a scar like that just because it's like made him kind of sinister looking it's absolutely because it made him sinister looking it's such like Mm -hmm. it's such a classic villain scar i was actually thinking that as i was watching the whole episode is everyone's uh wounds are placed so aesthetically like Mm -hmm. in a in a in an aesthetically pleasing way So, like, Jack's got, like, two attractive lines on his face, and, yeah. like, Claire's got, like, one little bump on her chin that, like, you yeah. have as a kid, and then Locke's got, like, this so ominous, villainous spike. But I also think that's strange, because Locke is not a villain. No! Locke's, like, pretty far from that He's until the end, m- but that's not even him. Yeah, that's the Man of Black. Loophole Locke. Um, he's pretty- m- it's, like, if you had a um, villainous- scar on ben it would be like yeah (laughs) yeah it'd be like totally yeah but that i feel like that would be like two on the nose they would not do that you know (laughs) instead they gave him the glasses um okay next thing i have that drive shaft is not broken up and he keeps talking about how drive shaft is not broken up but it like it kind of is and like the reason why he was in australia is to see liam and try and get him to come back in the band oh and liam like has a family you know forgetfulness strikes because i remember none of this that's okay. <laughs> Drive shaft is completely broken up, and he, he, he's in the bathroom to try and get those, to get the drugs, yes? Yeah. Okay. Does that have anything to do with those Mary statues? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, like, the Nigerian plane has landed, and then, like, it falls down because Boone went in it, and then Boone died, mm-hmm. and then Charlie ended up going to the plane, finding the Mary statues, and then one of them broke and had, like, a whole bunch of heroin in them. And then he kept the Mary statues with him, even after he, like, went through his detox and everything. He, like, oh, still kept right. them with him. And, and you're like, that why? that Claire angry. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, because then, you know, Echo finds them and he knows what was in them and then smashes them. And then Claire's like, you didn't tell me. And Charlie's like, well, well I didn't know. But he did. And he could she didn't want him around Aaron after that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, do we have anything more to talk about with Jin? Or did we kind of go over him enough? I think we covered it, because I can't actually remember what Jin's arc is. Do you want to know? Yeah, I. why was Jin acting the way he was? Okay, so, like, uh, pretty much what happened was, he's like, son, I'd sure like to marry you, let me talk to your dad. And so he's like, okay, you can marry my daughter, but you have to work for me. And then... I remember that. Mr. P- I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it. P- pretty much Pike. <laughs> which of course I was like wait a minute yeah Mr. Pike was like if you're gonna keep working for me and if you're gonna keep being married to my daughter you have to like just do increasingly more awful things mm-hmm. and so at one point he's like send this guy a message 
and he chooses to, like, he just doesn't understand, and so he goes over and is just like, hey, uh, Mr. Pike's really mad at you, and he's like, oh, okay, thanks, and then he's like, you didn't send the message, and so he, like, almost, he, he sends another guy with Jin, who's, like, legitimately going to kill the dude, and yeah. instead, Jin runs in and punches, and beats up the guy anyway, and says, I just saved your life, and then that's when he goes home and has the blood on his hands, and Sun's like, oh my god, what are you doing? Why are you so awful? And so, the reason why they were in Australia is that I, I'm pretty sure it was, like, just a layover because they had to bring a special watch to someone in L.A. Mm-hmm. Sun was going to leave Jin. That's right. She, yeah, and then um, Michael ends up having the watch, and then he's really upset about that. And... But, like... Yeah. Why is Jin being so weird? I feel like it's just because, like... I mean, I, I feel like that's just the show leaning on racial tropes. Yeah, I honestly think it's mostly just narrative. Yeah, like, I really feel like that's the show leaning on, like, crap. Because by tropes. the time that we get his background, then it's like... It doesn't fit with Jin he's anymore. He's not like that anymore. No. So, he's just supposed to be unlikable until then. Yeah, it just, like, it seemed to be an uncomfortable controlling stereotype. Yeah. So, they're finding their ground, clearly. And then I just wanted to say that Locke ended up getting his walkabout, and it's nice. Yes, he did. Oh, and then I want to talk about the numbers. So, uh-huh. 16 hours is how long they had been there. Um, and then I had another one that was about the numbers, I think. Oh, 16 years is how long that Russo's message has been playing. Uh-huh. So, I mean, and then, of course, 815 is the name no, number of the plane. Right. Oh, also, if anyone was wondering, that's what my tattoo is. Yeah. It's just the numbers. 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 48. And then there was, uh, I think there were 48 survivors. Yeah, but it's 42, and so. I know, but that's what I'm kind of wondering is, does yeah, the number Yeah, how many get... people die and then it goes down. Exactly. Yeah. We should look Probably. out for that. Yeah. Good idea. Okay. So moving on to pilot part two, I just want to talk about the drive shaft ring really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so the drive shaft ring ends up being really important just because he kind of like passes it down to Aaron. Yeah. Uh, when he's, like, about to go during Greatest Hits. Yeah. Um, and then he ends up not finding it, and then Sun ends up finding it, I believe, in season six. Oh, wow. In Aaron's little crib, yeah. Okay. And then, yeah, just, like, he got it from Liam, and it's not even actually a drive shaft ring. It's, like, the DS stands for something else, like, in their family or whatever. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I just love the drive shaft ring because I think it's, like, really important. It's Charlie. I made a thing called Lostopoly in which I legitimately photoshopped my own Monopoly board for Lost. Oh my lord, please put that on Twitter. It's on Twitter. No, and... on uh, Aficionado's Twitter. Oh, okay, I will. And one of, like, the pieces that you can play with is Charlie's Drive Shaft Ring. Oh, that's so cool! What are the other yeah. pieces? Um, we have Eloise the Mouse. We have a jar of peanut butter. Of course. A Dharma can, like a Dharma okay. beer. A fish yeah. biscuit. Oh, of course. Some handcuffs. Russo, or like, Dan, or sorry, Alex's slingshot. And oh I feel like there was one other thing, but I don't remember. Another thing that I wanted to point out is that Claire thinks that uh, Boone is Shannon's boyfriend, but then like, once we get hearts in mind, it's like, kinda? Uh, like, uh, I don't know. Uh, um, also, Sun has to pretend that she can't speak English, and she can. Right? Thing. I was trying so hard not to say that. Yeah. As well as after they break up the fight, Sawyer says to Jack, Whatever you say, Doc. 
You're the hero. Which, like, literally... Just right on the nose with that one. Just that's it. Okay, uh, the comic book. The comic so, book. So, the comic book in, ends up being Hurley's comic book, because Hurley knows Spanish. And, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much we learned that it had been Hurley's comic book. And also that Walt has this thing where he reads books, and then the things that were in the books show up. Did so they ever Walt, actually, like, like, explain how that happens? Just that Walt is special. They kind of dropped that Walt thing, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, like, the others took him and they put him in room 23, and then it was a whole thing, yeah. I want to talk about Sawyer and his letter. This is the first time that we see Sawyer and the letter. Yeah, I made sure to mention it in the recap. I was like, he's brooding over a piece of paper. Yeah, a piece of paper. Hmm, I wonder what that is. Hmm, wonder what that is. Robin, tell us what it is. So it's a letter, and it's, like, Dear Mr. Sawyer, blah, 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 you ruined my life, blah, 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 now my parents are dead, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And you think... Oh no, Sawyer, what have you done? But in reality, Sawyer has taken the name of the dude who did this to his family, and he's the one who wrote the letter. He wrote the letter. So, and he's still waiting to give the letter. And, you know, in season three, he ends up being able to deliver the letter, and then Anthony Cooper won't even listen to him, and then he, like, yeah, it's a whole thing, yeah. Yeah. And he ends up killing Sawyer, which is what he wanted to do in the first place, you know? Yeah. He finally gets that satisfaction. And it works out for Locke as well. Oh, that's right! Yeah. Right, okay. So when Hollywood and Vines is playing and everything, notice that Saeed helps Shannon up the the mountain, and Boone is kind of like sort of helping and not really doing a very good good job. Sawyer, Sawyer helps Kate. Sawyer helps Kate up the mountain, and yeah. Charlie, <laughs> and Charlie's just trying to get up there by himself. Poor Charlie. His girlfriend's too pregnant to come. Oh, no. Uh, don't remind me of them. Okay. Don't. PB&J. That's their ship name. Did you know that? What? Why is it PB&J? That's Pam and Jim from The Office. Pregnant Babe and Junkie. Oh my was... god. Yeah, that's what they were called. Okay, so they're sh- sh- sharing that pick nickname with uh, Pam and Jim from The Office. Pam Beasley and Jim. Yep. Okay, next thing. Uh, Locke talks about Jesus. Like, he says that's older than Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. so that's the first real hint that we get that Locke is, a re- is like, the man of faith. Yeah. And then, yeah, two players, two sides. One is light, one is dark. Jacob and MIB, literally the entire series. (laughs) That's them all over the place. Next thing, Claire is sitting and writing in her diary. And her diary ends up being a big deal once Claire gets kidnapped in season one. And Charlie, Mm -hmm. like, almost reads it a bunch of times. Oh, I forgot about that. And Claire, when she comes back, has, like, lost a lot of her memory. And so reads her diary to get her memory back. Yeah. Oh, I forgot all about that. Claire got kidnapped a lot. Another thing is that Kate's like, does anybody know how to use a gun? But like, she clearly has, does know how to use a gun. And also she's used this before when they're in like the bank. And she's like, I don't know how to use a gun. I don't know how to use a gun. But I do think that that was real good acting because she like dropped the magazine out of it and then totally pretended that she didn't know that there were bullets in the chamber still. Right? Like Saida to be like, there's bullets in the chamber. And she's like, oh yeah. Like, how many times has she done this, you know? Because if you, like, just totally knew how to use a gun, you'd be, like, still holding it because you know that. You know? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a good, it's a nice detail. It's a smart cookie. Mm-hmm. But that's also, like, one of the things that I couldn't remember watching the episode. I was like, doesn't Kate know how to use a gun, like, pretty well? She definitely does. But the thing I wonder is if the writers knew that Kate knew how to use a gun. Right. Like, maybe they hadn't developed that yet. Yeah. So, with Kate and the Marshal, whose name is Edward Mars, 
which we learned mm-hmm. in season three. He has been following her for years, and, you know, sometimes she'll, like, call him and be like, please leave me alone, and he'll be like, where are you? Like, he's <laughs> literally been, like, on her tail for ages. And when she says, I have one favor to ask, it ends up being Ray Mullen. She wants him to get his reward because he has a hell of a mortgage. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Rousseau and her, uh, Rousseau. transmission. Okay. So, Rousseau, I guess all I really have to say is that Rousseau showed up, made a transmission, had a baby, got it taken away, then went psycho. That's pretty much what happened with Rousseau. I feel so bad for Rousseau. Me too, and then even when she has the chance to leave, she's just like, nah. Can't do it. I'm a chill. Ben ruined her life. No, it's true. Yeah. And I, she doesn't really ever get, like, her revenge for that, does she? Um, she punches him in the face once. You know what? That's good. Yeah. We can work with that. The very last thing that I wanted to talk about was something that I really love about rewatching Lost is that I get something new every single time I watch it. And so mm. I noticed something new. Oh. And um, it's that when Mars, like the Marshal, reaches up to, like, grab Jack's shirt and say, where is she? Mm-hmm. He has a ring on his left hand. Oh, so he was married. So he was married. Oh, wow. So, wow. we didn't know that before. No. Interesting. Yeah. That's just something I I realized. A little character detail. Yeah. I like it. Well, if you stayed tuned for our uh, spoiler (laughs) segment, we appreciate it. Where it was mostly me asking Robin questions because I can't remember anything. That's my job here. Yeah. She, Lostpedia is on the internet, but my Lostpedia is Robin. I literally have spent so much time on Lostpedia, it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, on, like, loads of different things. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A, with an underscore at the end. And our Facebook is Facebook.com slash The Aficionados. And our Patreon is Patreon.com slash The Aficionados. And that's it. We did it. Last episode. I mean, the first episode. That's it. That, that's all, folks. Okay, I think we're out. I think we're out, fam. Thanks Be for ready. joining us. Be ready. Tabula rasa and walkabout next week. I don't or know how to pronounce next that word. Next time. I don't know how long it's going to be. Next time on Lost. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Love you for reals. Bye. 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 Terrific.